and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benham. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And how are we, lads? We've just been uh, having a bit of a chat with our patrons about the, uh, our predictions for the upcoming Euros, some, uh, some off-topic uh, off Tommy N chat, which I'm sure we'll be getting into the podcast as well. Uh, COVID restrictions, upcoming shows, uh, plenty to, uh, to talk about there. But how do I find you all on, uh, on, on this Tuesday night for once, JP? Not a, not a Monday this week, but we were all, uh, all yeah. very busy yesterday. Yeah, it's a hellishly busy week, this one. Um, but I will say this, it's absolutely fucking boiling here i don't know where, where you are like it is like it's been sweltering and you just mm. god i'd like to be anywhere else other than inside a building marking but yeah <laughs> hey ho it's i'd sooner have this nice weather a little bit optimistic feels a bit more like summer mm. looking forward to those pints at the end of the week mm. I, yeah, yeah it's been, been lovely been, been lovely up here and thankfully it wasn't lovely in wales because we were gonna we, we packed oh, yeah, up, got go up early on uh, the day after we recorded yeah we, mm. we, we recorded the night pack, got up early packed up the car and then we're sort of half well i was gonna say we're about 40 minutes down the motorway uh, heading to wales and then alex checked the uh, weather forecast and realized the weather was absolute utter shit in wales so we just did a big yui came home and um yeah, glorious in Crosby. So got pissed in my garden instead of doing a five-hour round trip to Wales in one day. So that was a right fucking result for me this weekend. So yeah, loving a bit of the sun. Sun and beer. <laughs> what more do you want this weekend? Sounds way better. That was. That sounds absolutely awesome. Did you get to watch anything <laughs> while you were there as well? Were you just you having a you know pissed up in the garden rather than having to go out and see the the, the great British uh, countryside, mate? No, uh, lie in the garden, read a book, have a few beers. Lovely stuff. Any baths? No baths. No Too baths well. in the garden. <laughs> well, no. It's oh, not oh, 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 oh. I know you've got a big oh, pool in the garden. Oh, I've seen. I've seen. I was going to. I was going to say. I will say this on the on the way back. Sarah went. Fuck. We'll have to do something. So, like, let's have a look and see if we can get like a get like a big you know paddling pool job for the garden and then we uh we saw that smith stories had, had like a massive one in like in a sale there so we just popped by edge lane and picked that up on the way home and then um yeah but um hang on any good day there was a, or anything you saw while you were there and any, any, any yes. good no no, no. Any it was it was a it was a quick it was a quick in and out it was picking up a online order from the car but it was uh the unfortunately the hose pipe was uh, attached to the uh the hot tap in the kitchen to uh fill up half of that looking forward to the gas bill at the end of the month <laughs> oh, so, so, so it, was the bath, bath. It, it was bath like it was bath like for the for the kids anyway I wasn't getting <laughs> living the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come rain or wind or shine you haven't oh, well, I, I saw at the weekend some wrestlers posting uh, posting stuff of themselves in the bath as well I was like it's catching on this bath life <laughs> <laughs> you know what you were here first Bath life is a uh, <laughs> title suggestion like number one. Uh, fuck yeah! I, I was uh, this week. I went out for some some pints in the. Uh, had, a, had a few beers in the park. Went to some dodgy pubs local to me. We, we just we decided we thought we'll do a. Um, well, you'd love this, JP. We'll do a pub crawl through like the heart of Dingle, and like just see like see see what kind of mischief we can get into. And it's like you know the pubs I was mentioned last time, like the ones that like like literally the bread streets near me at the end of them. Like these are like we're talking like. The pub is at the end of someone's street. Like they're not like separated or oh, anything. Right. It's just it's just part of the furnishing. We went to a couple of those. Had had some good times. We, we only got fronted once, so we did well. We had like uh, some some woman. We were in right. the, the the bleak house in Dingle. And I so, saw uh, that photo. I was going to ask you about the bleak house. Some, some woman came up to us and was like, "Are you new to the pub?" And we were like, 
<laughs> yes. And then, like, she was trying to, like, work. She's like, oh, where are you from? And then she was trying to, like, work us out. And because we're very lovely, charming boys, we had, like, a we had a bit of a banter with her. And then she was like, oh, I was just going to tell you, lads, we've got a beer garden out the back. So if you want to go out the back, go there. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, winning over hearts and minds, you know, one pub at a time. Uh, unfortunately, she we could only... Effort. What was that? She definitely thought you were a busy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> trying to work me out. Well, the thing was, as well, I hadn't like counted on the fact that like these pl- kind of places were only going to take cash rather than card as well. So we had to uh, we had to leave after a while because we, we, we they had like a like a like a lock in. And we were kind of part of it. But then when I asked the, the girl behind the bar, oh, can I just leave a minute to go get some money and come back? She was like, no. And I was like, okay. She probably would have done that favor for someone who was a bit more uh, trustworthy. But yeah, we had to we had to leave. We ended up going to Keith's on Lark Lane, Gareth. And who did we bump into? But, uh, but Robbie Fowler, who was in there looking like the... Uh, if anyone follows my Twitter, you'd have seen the picture. As will... Yeah, I was very drunk at like three in the morning. I even texted Joe, like I sent Joe like a WhatsApp photo of me and Robbie Fowler at four in the morning that I found out like eight in the morning when he texted me back the next day. Um, but yeah, he was just in there, you know, with the lads. There's fucking paparazzi coming in to take photos of him. He was, uh, yeah, po- popular figure in there in Keaton Lake Lane on a on a, on Saturday. So he's like, like seeing him in his pump. When you sent that photo, I just thought you was uh, meeting up with your landlord. <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> That's his new business. Is everyone still live in a Robbie Fowler house? Is that, you know, that was very much the, the chant for a while, wasn't it? I love it when you drive through like Everton Valley. There's a great big like banner up, and it's all it's just all like houses, and then a big picture of Robbie Fowler in his suit, like so, just like a big close up of Robbie's face. As just there's all these houses for sale, and you're just like fucking hell. Like, was it. he was he very chatty, Robbie? He like, was kind of a little bit hard. I don't want to start any rumours, JP, but like... No, you're not at all. Remember the stories of... He's excited to be out. It's the end of the lockdown. He's in a local pub. He's having a few pints. You know, like, there are a lot of stories about Robbie Fowler in the 90s and stuff. He likes to party, is all I'm saying. Um, Look, are you referring to his goal celebration where uh, Gerard Houllier said, oh, yeah, it's just... uh, just um, him and Rigobert song do it in train, and they they, they pretend to okay. be um, they pretend to be cows cows eating the grass. <laughs> yeah, but I went into because like, when I spoke to him, I went into like the uh, the toilets and the bar. Song. <laughs> I went into the toilets and in, in Keith's in the bar we were in, and like. Like there's quite a few other lads in there as well, oh. which was not like ideal considering COVID um, restrictions. There we are, me and Robbie, and um, like uh, as I was coming out, he he was like coming back in completely out of his mind, and I asked him for a photo, and he barely mumbled to me like, oh, "Not in here, lad." And then I got the photo with him taken out like outside outside, but that's the best he looked. It was like as soon as I said, "Let's take a photo," he like just popped into like you know his lovely pearly like. Turkey teeth there going for Robbie Fowler looks in. I was going to say, got the turkey teeth state. <laughs> But yeah, he was. Um, he looked like he'd been partying, and he was out with the lads on a Saturday night after lockdown. So who can blame him? I was going to say, like, live your best life, Robbie. I mean, like the the house investments alone. I mean, he can live like Tony Montana if he really wants to. Um, <laughs> he can do what he wants, and he'll be busy coming up. You'll probably be doing punditry for the Euros and things like that. You know. Well, it'd be, sorry, some bloke outside screaming. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> and I live in a first floor flat, folks. So see how noisy. He's, he's come for me, isn't he? He's ever slamming me. 
I thought better. I thought better had Robbie in his loft. <laughs> yeah, he came back to Miami. Yeah, Robbie drinks was like showing, you know? like had a bit of a party. Yeah, like, to escape. <laughs> and now you keep him as your slave. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> as he skips past, tied to a chair in the background behind mm. Benno, just one of the gag of his now, just moving his way to the front door. I was going to say, um, any any news on the neighbour front? No, nothing. We plants out front are starting to die, JP, so I don't know if someone's poisoned them, but other than that, I think it's just the weather. Other than that, no news. No news. I I think you'd have to assume so. <laughs> um, and I was going to ask you to, either have you seen Liverpool Narcos yet? I no, am. it would be the perfect like slide in here as well, but because it's um, on Now TV, I can't get it going on my Chromecast, so I haven't had a chance to see it. But when I, yeah, I, I, okay. have you seen it, Gareth? I have, I have. You're not missing much, to be honest. No. It's... It's all right. I was disappointed. Maybe I built it up too much in my mind. Maybe one of those that I was expecting it to be better than it was. But it was a bit, um, I don't know, it was a bit early season, dark side of the ring kind of in a, in a way and that it just felt a bit light in places and a bit like in the same way that those dark side of the ring directors get like um, get worked by uh, people. I think there was a fair bit of uh, over-egging the pudding being done by a few smack heads and the like and things like that about uh, how uh, how how big or, ha- or how bad certain uh, certain things were and plus they had these awful bits e- even worse than the dark side of the ring interludes where they actually like had little acted scenes in between like some of the documentary bits so you just had these like low rent scally actors who <laughs> you know wouldn't even get on brookside or something like that just acting out these terrible terrible scenes like so i don't know it's it's worth watching for a bit of nostalgia and things like that especially when it's like getting into the 90s on like the cocaine episode and stuff and it's just reminding me of my you know university years there when it's getting into curtis warren and all that when all that was happening in like 96 and things like that it's it's good good from that point of view but um the uh, the 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 one highlight was uh, the the ex uh, the ex I'm trying to think what was he was he just a smackhead or was he a smuggler one of the two anyway but he, anyway is now uh, is is now got a job in a juice bar and um, you could just see on the menu in the background that they had the um, is it I don't know how, how do you pronounce this A C A I is it Akai Asai berries or you know oh, yeah, those things yeah, but yeah. anyway they had the uh, they had the purple. The, the, the purple Akai, anyway, which was uh, what a name for a smoothie if you're going to sell smoothies in Liverpool. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be onto the one where I, I, I meant to go, but you'll be writing some legal I meant letters. to go back and uh, pause the uh, pause the screen on the menu that you could just see in the background because I thought that was a definite um, definite show pictures uh, one there. So maybe I'll go and do that tonight. I'll go and uh, Asai. There you go. That's my answer. Asai means I'll do <laughs> it's true yeah it feels like it has a very local appeal like mm. i can imagine like you could watch that it's the kind of thing you'd really want to watch almost with a group of people no mm. like you'd, you'd have a few mates around and the rest well, i'll tell you what if you're coming up at the end of the month jp yeah i want to can i see some of the places <laughs> yeah we'll see you on the real <laughs> i haven't tour. seen yeah, really <laughs> filthy liverpool we'll, we'll watch it wanna... we'll watch it and then take you on the tour yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Give me, Love give me the real version. Of Love it. It. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, yeah. it. I mean, last time was yeah. We only passed by. Did we pass by Carrington as well? Training ground. Mm. Carrington. There's not much going Carrington. on. Carrington. We were in Manchester. No, not Manchester. What was the name of the the Liverpool's training ground? <laughs> I was. I just gone Belfield Sorry. in my head, and I've gone no, that's Evans, Evans training yeah. ground. I'm so in, indoctrinated by just listening to, to, listening to this, but. 
Yeah, took you. Uh, you went round West Arby, didn't you, to go to the Brookside House, didn't you? Like, yeah, off that, mm. off that road. So, um, but yeah, yeah, you could. Uh, could could do a bit a bit of that. Uh, interestingly, on one of these shows, it had like the little triangle there around Toxteth that um, where the police would just didn't even they were too scared to like venture into. And then I was like looking in the triangle, and like my old road that I used to live on in Toxteth was was in the middle of this triangle. And I was like, oh yes, there's some extra cred points there that my old road is the police no go area. <laughs> Lovely chippy on the corner. <laughs> it's just a purple bin no go area now. It's from my street's probably bang in the middle of that as well. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, we'll give, we'll, give, we'll give you the real-life version at, uh, at some point, JP. Um, if you can go for a purple acai smoothie, might help with the muscles. You'd like to think so, if anything else, wouldn't you? That's it. That's it. Go for a run by a train. Like. He'll be sending those lads a strongly written, uh, worded legal letter, I'm sure. Uh, and then. us at some point, if you ever cottons onto this fucking podcast. <laughs> Christ. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Um, but I was going to say as well, like uh, we were talking about it a bit in the uh, in the pre-show as well. Just uh, we mentioned briefly, uh, we've got our fancy football team sorted for the Euros on Friday. Is that uh, is that something we're all getting onto? I'm thinking I'm yep. going to put a dirty team together first thing Friday morning. I feel like that's that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all I've got to uh, get round to doing. Yep, I've done mine already. Um, yeah. I I joined. Um, Arn, Arn and Eddie's at the, mm. at the Arn and Eddie experience. I joined their um, their fantasy league too, which mm. they put out there as well. It's not a great one. Mm. I won't lie. It's kind of very heavily, I haven't got it to hand. It's like very heavily Belgium because, and Holland for the opening game. So I think they've got North Macedonia, but even though I don't think they're going to smash seven shades of shit out of them. Cause I just don't think that happens that much in these tournaments. Um, but yes, um, it, it's like, I, I've, I've got it together for this one but I'm going to do shit because I I don't know Gareth you'd know more about you're watching that Spanish football every week you've probably got a much better idea of what's going on I've got a better idea of how bad the Spain squad is uh, I uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be putting any money their way uh, definitely not left out some uh, names there have, have we fucked off doing a grapple league for this by the way I think so I, I think we're all just joining on in Eddie's yeah. league aren't we at this point yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe was, I'll throw a last minute league out on Friday if I, if I end up getting around to doing my team so watch I, the I space but I haven't picked a team yet. Like, mm. I, I need to read the rules first. That's uh, <laughs> find out what the score is with transfers and things like that before I uh, before I pick a team. Yeah, oh, so right. James, you say before it's always a lot, a lot more work when it comes to these tournaments. It's like it's daily as well. You've got to like, pay attention and transfer players in and out and stuff. I'm sure I'll get into it eventually, but yeah, I'm the same as I you. Got, I got an email. I got an email about it from work today, like with the work league, and there was part of me that was thinking, you know what? I'm, I think I might actually just want to enjoy the tournament without having the stress of knowing that I've fucking transferred some you know some fucker in and then they don't end up performing or something like that but um yeah maybe uh, maybe just go for a bit of stress free football for a for a change instead of being there sweating over me transfers but um I know I'll be sucked in I'll, I'll be throwing a team in on Friday morning yeah. Oh, we'll all be getting involved, definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, look, join on in Eddie's League if you've not joined one yet, people. But yeah, keep an eye out on, on Twitter. Yeah. I might well throw a link out for a Grapple League. But yeah, the only thing I was going to mention before we do get in, we've got a lot to uh, to get into today that we do need to uh, to get into. Is just to uh, say, yeah, we did the uh, our latest uh, Patreon episode uh, this past weekend on uh, on missed opportunities, our latest episode of, uh, mm. of Five to One. Uh, we had a, a, it was good to see 
I've seen plenty of feedback for that one. I think maybe the uh, the extra day as well has uh, given some people some more time to uh, to listen to it as well. But yeah, interesting seeing some uh, some other people's picks, some agreeal with uh, with some of ours in uh, in CM Punk and, uh, and Daniel Bryan and uh, some of the other ones we mentioned there. Like, ended up having a really good chat. That one I was really proud of that episode. It was a uh, it was a good time. No, that was a great episode to do. That was like really really fun because there was so much that you, I mean, there's loads of people that we forgot and loads of people that you mentioned as well. And, and overall the kind of list that we went with was really good. I remember your suggestion of Bailey, I think was, was an absolute belter. Um, Like it was funny how like effectively the Bret Hart CM Punk ones were there, but the Daniel Bryan argument as well. Like I say argument, it was like this, there are so many of these to go through so if you haven't listened to it like it's the kind of as with a lot of the, the kind of patron shows they're kind of timeless in that way so you can go back and listen to those and then argue with us about it but yeah that was really good fun mm. and i think the next show that we're going to be doing is um ecw one night stand mm. um 2005 and mm. we're doing that for king of the mountain goody who's mm. in the chat so uh, i'm really looking forward to that one because it's a bit of ecw it's a bit of nostalgia from the 90s let's face it that's our fucking wheelhouse (laughs) yeah i i can't wait for that one i think that was one where we were looking at the um the episode the patreon episode there of like the missed opportunities and things that we did and we decided okay let's just keep it on wrestlers rather than you know expanding it to like promotions or situations or things like that and Mm. that was that was definitely one that was uh in my head was just the whole you know, fallout from after that, really, and the pro- progression of the ECW brand and things. So I, I'm assuming it's something we'll probably touch up on a bit at the end of that episode. Really, is almost thinking like, all right, well, you know, where did where did this go from here or not? Um, mm-hmm. at, the, at, at the end of the day, but yeah, looking forward to that. I think I think like that last episode, anything like that where we can kind of get into a space where you you're thinking of the holes like what might have been or your, your, you know, your fantasy booking in your head or whatever, or you're thinking about those, mm. you, know, you know, differences. I think, I think they're always fun ones, aren't they really? Where you sort mm. of, it's, it's less based on, you know, you've got the factual elements, but then you've also got that kind of a bit of speculation of where you're thinking of like what things could have done or what things could have looked like and stuff. And that's uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think anytime we have one of those, it's always just ends up just being a, a good, a good chat, doesn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. Like it does. Thing. We all got we all got animated at certain points as well, you know. It brings back uh, sore memories. Some of it, you know, for me, the uh, the CM Punk one was a particularly uh, particularly sore memory. Um, but it has led to something. I'm, I hope should be doing uh, the upcoming episode of Music of the Mat uh, with our mate Andrew Rich on uh, on CM Punk's classic wrestling theme. So look forward to that, everyone. Uh, I will get more even more impassioned. But saying that, I'll probably just do the entire thing, frightened to death that CM Punk himself might listen at some point and hate my guts. So that's a lot of pressure doing that episode. To be fair, but you know. If you want more uh, what's CM Punk related ramblings from me that there that should be landed on uh, on Voices of Wrestling next week as well um, but yeah that is a subject oh, that gets me going I did enjoy putting that sound clip together to be honest of <laughs> you talking about it that was, that was something that was like a lot of fun having a listening listen to that because there's points where you're listening to it and you think he's kind of holding back but he's just ready to tee off this just feels like it's it, it's something you would have been felt at the time and would have been shouting about on the on the message boards mm. but now like it's yeah and that mate you might turn up in AEW I'm sure they'll give him a bang up uh, introduction won't they they're, they're normally great like that 
Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But we'll do our we will do our we'll do our deep dive on the uh, on the summer of punk on uh, both summers of punk uh, at some point over on the uh, the Patreon side as well. Um, but yeah, I was going to say yeah. So yeah, obviously uh, all of that to look forward to coming up. JP's news updates. The will should be uh, a weekend show this week. It might not be live um, this week, but we'll uh, hopefully have uh, some details of that uh, coming up as well. But yeah, plenty plenty for people to uh, to sink their teeth into at uh, patreoncom grapple But let's get into it, lads. Let's uh, let's talk about what we're uh, we're here to talk about this week, and we have got a, a stacked lineup of, of different news stories and, and shows to talk about and documentaries to talk about. That's what happens when we uh, we do a Tuesday show. But top of the list, and we did put it to our patrons earlier to, to what uh, subject they uh, found uh, most newsworthy this week. And uh, no surprise, it's the uh, the WWE releases news uh, from this past weekend. Uh, obviously, me and UJP touched on this stuff a little bit. Um, on Friday, but there's uh, certainly plenty more to say. That definitely about the uh, the individuals uh, that found themselves released as well. If you were living under a rock, Braun Strowman, Alistair Back, Ruby Riot, Lana, Buddy Murphy, and Santana Garrett uh, all got released uh, on a, a, another Black Wednesday uh, last week, um, and it's kind of stories r- rumbled on a little bit. And you know, there's been plenty of. Uh, I think I feel like your talking point, Gareth, about WWE being for sale has been begged stolen and borrowed from every other podcast under the sun now i feel like we we started those rumors or at least you did um and it's kind of blew up from there <laughs> to the point where actually it's gone so far that now i'm not even sure i believe it anymore but that was certainly um the first instinct uh, a lot of people had uh, coming out of these stories i don't i never said that they were gonna sell i said that they should sell oh okay to me, have you been and, talking and, to uh, Nick Khan? no i went back and uh, i went back and um I thought right, this I is your Brit versus Dad, with me. Take 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 your victory now. I thought I need to go back and dig that episode out and find out when I actually said this, and then if anything does happen, can take the victory lap and pick the audio out from it as well. But it was it was mm. it was freaking well long ago. It was you know I think it was about four or five months ago or something like that now. But mm. um, but yeah, I, th- I think it was it was one of those where I'm thinking if they don't sell, it'll just be another classic case of um, Vince McMahon not actually been this businessman genius that he that he, he is because they the, the fucking should be selling. But that's a that's a different argument uh, altogether. But yeah, it does uh, it does lend a lot of credence to it when you're looking at um, you know I think one of the things I talked about at that time was how the that essentially, you know, sold the TV deal for top dollar. That sold the obviously the network for um, top dollar as well. There was years and years on those contracts, and there was fucking nothing else to to, to sell. So it's mm-hmm. like clearly okay as they look at like revenues for the following twelve months. Clearly, you know, getting the uh, getting the cost base down is 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 another way that they can you know look like they're boosting profits to to shareholders and things like that for the uh, for the for the upcoming twelve. 12- months as well so um yeah it was kind of i don't know it, it it feels like it became as less as a surprise to me that they were offloading more people on the back of the the, the recent stuff that's happened and i don't know i think it almost felt like to me it didn't carry the same level of um i don't know in the previous ones there's been people i don't know moaning about it a lot more about them releasing people mm. whereas i think this one it was kind of just more treated as I don't know, a bit more factual and like, oh shit, this is happening again, rather than it been people, you know, concerned about people losing their jobs as much. I don't know if I was just reading in the wrong places or things like that, but that was definitely the uh, the vibe that um, that, that, that I felt like I, I, I picked up. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it felt like 
people were getting more into the realms of all right well there's all these people more on the market now and doing a bit of fantasy booking of like oh can what if this guy shows up here or what if this guy shows up here and things like that so um it definitely felt like a felt like a different different mindset because i know when i saw those releases i was thinking oh god am i gonna like have to be here on the podcast again doing the whole <laughs> we said that like, on friday <laughs> look, Stone Cold yeah, 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 you know it's like <laughs> At the end of the day, it's like, oh, well, yes, yeah. nobody wants anybody to, to lose their jobs. But at the end of the day, like, you see that and there's like their release and like, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like to me, to me, it's something that it's part and parcel of the, of not just the wrestling business, but just, just the world. And it, and it, and it happens. And if you sign a WWE and you have a run for five years or something, you know, at least you've done pretty well and you've, you're going into it with your eyes wide open or you should be going into it with your eyes wide open that you're probably going to get, you know, released at, at, at some point. And, and as a wrestling fan, like to me, it's like, it's, it's great. It's exciting when, <laughs> when this happens because it generates speculation and it generates like discussion and it generates, you know, fantasy booking and scenarios and thinking about, Oh, like what if Buddy Murphy just shows up in, you know, in, to boost the junior division in Japan or what if suddenly, I don't know, you know, Braun Strowman turns up here and does this or something, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those. I think any, any, any time that you've, you've got that ability to have people talk about different scenarios, then, then, then it's, it's, it's all good as far as I'm concerned. And, um, um, yeah, it's, you know, I wasn't, wasn't crying any tears for any of these lads. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's an, it's an interest in this one, I think, but I think it's like, Maybe part of it's the the list of the people, you know, that are going, you know, as Dylan said there, it's all people who are on big money and have, well, not all, but you know, all on reasonable money. All people, you know, especially like a Braun Strowman, um, all people who let's be honest, like you know, we're gonna talk about where maybe we think some of these people end up. Pretty much all people who you can picture you know jobs for you can kind of see where where they're going to go and i think that's what makes it interesting as well as that you know that as we talked about on friday jp you know the fact that wwe even doing this you know it clearly you know whether you believe a sale is imminent or not it is obviously focus is different because this isn't paranoid vince mcmahon because if this is paranoid vince mcmahon you know the paranoid vince mcmahon that was trying to sign fucking carl anderson and luke gallows to million dollar deals you know only you know a year and a half ago because of the threat of aw like they they were some of the murmurings we heard as well you know coming out friday in the observer and reported elsewhere in places like pw insider that like yeah maybe the mindset is changing WWE where they're actually not so worried about like oh well we can't stop AEW being a thing we don't think they're going to beat us in 1849 anyway they're going to exist no matter what we kind of need to concentrate on ourselves you know and consider you know Mm. why you know why is the wage bill you know what it is what can we do to get it down and the reason for that might be you know they're looking at a sale but yeah it felt a bit more like this feels very not that Nick Khan's the one making the decision of who gets sacked, you yeah. know, as far as a personal thing, you know, you know, shout out to Alistair Black. Um, it is still Vince McMahon who's who's very much uh, going to be in charge of making those particular decisions. But it does feel like somebody sat somewhere with like a budget, and it's more that it's 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 more money. It's black and white like that, and it's actually you know quite a change from maybe the normal WWE philosophy when it comes to a release and mm-hmm. wrestle as well. Aside from the fact they've still given them a three-month non-compete that runs out the day after all out, that still felt like a kick in the in the arse on the way out. But other than that, still yeah. still feels very un-WWE. 
It is. It feels very much like, and I don't want to ape kind of um, on what they said on, on flagship because there's, there's a lot of very good points on, on there about it, but it, it feels like very, it's very Nick Khan. It feels like very much like what a business person would do. You look at the amount of rosters, you look at the amount of hours of TV and you go, why have we got all of these wrestlers if we've only got X amount of, X amount of spots and X amount of TV time? And they've got lo- too much TV time and they don't have room for half of them. So they have to, the kind of like you stream, you can streamline on that. It makes like they're doing it with the budget, with that kind of cold clinical view of going, if I can get someone who effectively is the same size as Braun Strowman, but to do it for a tenth of the price, then I can go with that person and then we'll always generally find another giant to replace them. So it's like, it felt to me like they kind of looked at Braun Strowman and just went, he fulfills a giant role. We can get other giants to do that role that type of stuff. But as a move, it's the best thing for the industry because this is not like, this isn't the same as at the start of the pandemic when they released people. It was like, well, mm. where can they go to? No yep. one's getting jobs. Yeah. And this is different. There's a different wrestling landscape. Now, not all of the companies are doing necessarily amazing, but certainly Impact have done better this year. That's a viable option to go to. The fact that Impact works with other places makes it a viable option to go to. I mean, you mentioned New Japan, you mentioned Ring of Honor. I mean, I know with Buddy Murphy, he's the he seems like the kind of person who'd want to do a lot of indie dates to kind of really prove how good he is. He has that he just has that kind of feeling about him. So uh, things about him going, you know, if he was able to go back to Australia for a bit. So like all of that stuff is um, you know, you know, there are options for where they can go to for once, which isn't the case. And there's a lot of benefit for this. Like, if you imagine the US Indies, imagine if they could have 10 to 15 people who are in developmental, who we don't really ever, ever see, for example. Imagine if that was the case. That would be an enormous boon to the US Indies. It's very much like the the fact that they're doing this, it suggests that that kind of Vince mentality hasn't won out. And how often has that been the case outside of when he was on his ass in the mid nineties and he was kind of more or less having to listen to outside voices and other people. So that's interesting. Like the amount of kind of sway for a decision like this, because the ultimate thing with all of this, I think the reason why I have to say it's kind of exciting is you are convinced that outside of that system, the majority of these people could do better or there's certainly people there who could do a lot better and there's much more interesting places for them to go to, which then in turn makes them more valuable for the future. Then if they ever went back to WWE, then they're probably going to be going back on a bigger salary than what they were on before. So like there is a chance here and we see this happen quite often where a few of them will be out on the indies. They'll go out and work in a few other places and then they'll get signed back to WWE, which I wouldn't be surprised if that happened with a few of them now on, on hindsight for it, but it's good for them. Like if you think of this in football terms, like would you want Man City to stockpile like loads of great players and then just to have them kind of on loan in a disparate way on a regular basis, even though it might be a slightly smaller club because that gives them a better chance to kind of show the most of their abilities. If too many wrestlers have gone with the idea of WWE as the be all and end all. And it really isn't. And if anything, they need, this gives them the chance for that bit of creative freedom and that chance to be generally like kind of more fulfilled in where they're going to be working. So, I mean, 
this is a positive step that WWE are doing this. I know that people have lost their jobs and that sounds incredibly callous, but this kind of stockpiling madness needs to fucking end. Mm. I think and that's at, a- at the end of the, at, at the end of the day, how good have they even even been? I know yeah. you know you know Braun Strowman was somebody who was it was a bit of a trigger really for that last episode that we did on the Patreon where we were looking at like missed opportunities and things. But all of these people are people who've been there in the system and been involved as ratings have gone down and you know as the, you know business you know okay what they've sold out and the money they've made on TV deals. But it's not like these guys are pushing the needle in any way. It's not like they're like, you know, attracting more people to be interested in the WWE product. It's not like they're like drawing people to TV. So if you've got for whatever, you know, for argument's sake, $2 million, $2 million tied up in contracts for the, these individuals, then what have they got to lose by getting rid of them? Like absolutely nothing. It's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's not like they're getting rid of massive stars and, and they're going to be turning away viewers in their droves beyond what they have been doing anyway. They're, they're just more cogs in the in the wheel who essentially mean nothing to WWE apart from a number in a balance sheet, which, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a nice, easy, big number to just, you know, remove from it and then they can you know the next next people just roll through it's like to, and and that's where then i have like questions about the whole oh well so-and-so turning up on aw and things like that well if they're not moving the needle for wwe then are they even going to do it for for aw I, i'm kind of in the realms there where i'll be thinking I'd, I'd, I'd maybe just all you know hold my fire a bit if I was Tony Khan and be thinking, you know, I don't, I don't want to be chucking any money at these at the minute on the back of, you know, some of these recent signings that we've that we've made as well that in the short term, you know, haven't made some, you know, huge significant difference. Let's let's keep our powder dry and let's kind of just take a step back and let's just see how business goes before we start like throwing, you know, Braun and Strowman, the kind of money that he's going to want or, you know, maybe before he started doing his Twitch stream and you might have thought, yeah, get you know, get Tommy Endon or something like that. You'd definitely be taking a step back at, the, at this stage, I think, and just, I don't know, let them breathe on the Indies and maybe just uh, maybe maybe see what comes out of it before, before you decide who's valuable and who isn't. Yeah, I mean, logically, like, I understand why they get rid of a, a Braun Strowman, like, because, you know, people have made the argument and we've made the joke before, fucking hell, how's NXT UK still exist when they're making all these cuts? And the answer is the entire roster of NXT UK is probably on akin to what Braun's on. Okay, yeah, take out like maybe Walter and, you know, maybe British Strong Style. But other than that, all of those bearded, faceless lads on NXT UK every week literally clubbed together are probably not making the million that Braun was making a year. So 100% agree there. I don't know if I agree on the point that like, I don't know, I, I think this is a list of people where if we're saying they're not draws, I don't think anyone's a drawer in WWE, uh, but I, I do think, you know, there's people like Braun who should have been a draw in WWE. Mm. You know, he literally, you know, three years ago, was it? You know, he was, you know, always points to, you know, that, that period where, okay, yes, it was stupid where he was, like, throwing cars off, like, bridges and shit like that. And, you know, they did that big monster four-way with with, uh, with Joe and Roman and Brock and all of that stuff. And he felt like the next big thing. Like, I mean, that, that there was absolutely occasions where he should have been, you know, the next big big guy you know rather than i mean i always thought like at the time when he was getting over 
he was going to be slotted into you know that role of like maybe a Brock maybe an Undertaker maybe a you know some some kind even a Kane you know what I mean he was going to be like the modern day or the future version of those guys and I do think like there's definitely a conversation there about how WWE have managed to not only like he's gone now but he's gone and all of those dudes I just mentioned and including the fucking Undertaker who's definitely going to wrestle again are still the people that they're going to be relying on in, the, in those spots and I do think Braun Strowman could have absolutely been a, a difference maker for WWE I do think as well you know up and you know what was it three weeks ago he was in like world title matches for WWE that one does still shock me because I think mm. he was he was perfect for their system he's he's so perfect for their system he's the one in this list who i actually don't see landing on his feet anywhere else because he's not going to fit anywhere else like like you said gareth he's not going to he's probably not going to get that money anywhere else but you know as far as like the type of wrestler he is the reason he works so well in the wwe system or at least should have in theory um is because you know he was very much a a vince mcmahon seven foot 300 pound kind of guy maybe limited in ring but you could you know, you could protect him and you could you could make him work in, you know, that, that big bump Brock Lesnar type match and you could you could have gotten him over. Like he's someone who for me should have been, you know, that game changing star in WWE. Okay, yeah, I've got opinions about Alistair Black, but you know, I think it's fair to say he should have been, you know, more over than he was. You know, Lana at a point was absolutely over at points. Um and we can look at it as, you know, black and white and yes, these are as as Nick Khan is probably looking at it, is the, these are just amounts of money on on a on a pivot table somewhere where he's just like yeah okay we're getting rid- you know we need to we need to get rid of this much money and these are the guys but i still think yeah you know th- these this is a list of people those ones i mentioned particularly where it's just i think it's a failing on the wwe side and i still mm. still do find it shocking that it's almost an admittance of that failing that somebody who like in, in braun's case was main event in a pay-per-view three weeks ago is is now off the, off the door it's an yeah. absolute damning indictment of the, how they make stars, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> is what you've said is, is that they can't do that. So none of these people, because none of these people are made into draws, therefore they're not draws. So when you release them, I think you're going to end on to Gareth's point where it's like, well, these people aren't draws. And it's kind of like the way that they are booked, the way that they are presented, they're never more important than like a particular strata of, of stars that are there. And but you look at Bron and you just think that this is they've done better with a lot worse than mm. him and yet here this is this is bizarre it's just bizarre that Vince would sign off on it I know Bron mm. probably doesn't believe it isn't and it's just I don't know evil Johnny Ace or whatever but <laughs> like it, it's it's the fact that Vince signs off on it because mm. you would just like his mindset you normally would imagine him thinking this is a giant I can't let them go because somebody else might use them better and Really, I like. I personally, I look at Braun Strowman. I think he's going to be acting. Like, I think he's going off. He's going to go off down that route. I think. Oh, it's totally. Yeah. Easier for him. Weightlifting. I think, given his his size, his mm. body, like how much kind of rigor it would have taken that it shouldn't have taken. This is probably a decent time while he's kind of financially settled to be able to say, "Do you know what? I don't need to kill myself for this." And there's plenty of heavy type roles that he can go for. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I won't argue with that, that they dropped the ball and he, he should have been bigger than he was. But to him and to all of them, I think they're all just people who in three months' time, you'll 
it'll just wash over people. People forget they were ever even on the roster. They're not leaving a gaping hole in any way or anything like that, just because of the way that their their systems booked and things like that. And this is people who, like you say, he's been in a world. You know, he's been in world title matches. He's been a world title holder and things. And is to he just doesn't feel like it's gonna it's it, it's gonna be that big a loss to them. Which you know, it's. You, you, you can argue that it should be because he should have been a bigger star based on, you know, where he was getting over to a few years ago and, you know, based on crowd responses anyway. And they didn't run with it and they sort of actively, you know, pulled him back back in. But the reality is he's on a fucking big salary and not necessarily contributing a lot to making a positive impact on the business. So... I don't think that's on him, though. I think if they competently booked him, he would be, as much as anybody could be on that roster. Like, I know what you're saying, but we could say (laughs) that about anyone, though. I know, yeah. (laughs) Imagine imagine WWE being a competently booked wrestling company. But, yeah, maybe maybe what I'm, I'm saying is, like, the potential money that it, that I still think is there on the table with someone like him, or I honestly, I honestly think if AW was a, I don't know if it wasn't so frame the way it is, I'd sign him. To be honest, I think I think the problem with signing him for if you're AEW is the the negatives probably do outweigh the positives because he's twice as big as most of your roster, and stylistically. He's not the type of guy your roster would like. He's on Braun's almost crying out for there to be like a third possibility, like some other company where like he would, you know, say WCW was still around, you know, he'd slot right in, you know, and he'd be a top level guy. I still think the money is there on the table for him. I don't, I don't get me wrong. I think you're both right. He's going to disappear. He's going to be Ryback. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be off doing, he'll do a weird podcast or bodybuilding or something and we'll we'll literally never see him wrestle again, if not, you know, as a couple of people have said in the chat, back in WWE in a couple of years. But I don't know, I, I still think there's the potential there for money to be made with him. But again, there is a big if there if you're a competently booked wrestling company, which is, is unfortunately not what we're talking about. I'm going to be there slapping down my 20 quid to watch the uh, big show Braun Strowman and Mark Henry oh, three-way at double or nothing thing, le- no. next year for the AW World Tour. Oh, it's happening there. It's coming. Give it to me. <laughs> what, about, what about Braun Strowman, Nick Gage? I'd watch that. <laughs> I mean, you can literally, mate, you can say Zack Ryder and Nick Gage and I'm into it, so you can say, uh, you can say any name. They sold me on Zack Ryder, Nick Gage. So Braun Strowman, I'm like... Just who is this giant pretending to be John Moxley who just pulls it off and it's Braun Strowman? Would he be as good as Ryder or two in the little strut though? I don't know. That was fucking what, what a fucking great. I haven't seen the whole GCW show, so I'm not going to talk about it today. But like, what a fucking... Nick Gage versus Lana. Oh, what about what a... that? <laughs> you could do that. Uh, I'll t- tell you what. If it was Nick, if it was Nick Gage against Tommy End, I might actually be on Team Gage. <laughs> oh, wow! After this week, fucking hell! Like I'm going to say this as well. Like I, 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 I've never liked Tommy End. Like I've always thought he was overrated. I've always like I find his. I said on Twitter, I found his fake hard man actors embarrassing as his fake American accents. Like when he was like, do, do you remember that progress show, Gareth? Where like he said that like um, somebody. This is like a couple of days later, by the way. Removed from the fact on his Twitter account. Oh yes, somebody at the show called me like it was a it was a racist racist term. I'm not gonna obviously not gonna repeat it again here, but it was a racist term that would in no way you know be something you'd expect someone to say. At Alistair Black, like he either misheard, let's all be honest, or he made it up. Um, and a couple of days later, he's like, yeah. And if that ever happens again, I'll batter them. It was like. So what happened, like, in the moment? What about then? You fucking knob. Like, you know, like, since that day, I was like, I've never liked him. I was like, just fake, hard man bullshit. And these interviews he's been doing this last week or so, like, he just, I mean, it's basically Twitch streams and, like, 
you know, first one he did, it was like, oh, cool, we're getting like shoot interviews, but you know, it's immediate and it's on Twitch two hours later and he's on his fucking wife's Twitch channel going on about how the internet is evil and everyone, everyone should log off and it's not real life and you need, but all of this stuff. And then proceeds to stream on her channel for five more days. And it's like, mate, like, I think you maybe need to look at like what you're saying here. Also, it being his wife's account, his wife, who got fucking sacked from WWE because of that Twitch account. And he said to Dion Renee's uh, podcast that, yeah, it wasn't early. Tommy N was annoyed about that, but my character, Alistair Black, was a professional, so I didn't uh, I didn't rock the boat on that one. You fucking shit out. Your wife got sacked and you had nothing to say about it. And now you're out the door as well. And you're still looking Vince McMahon's ass on the way out on these streams what a fucking god like I I can't it's it's hilarious it's the gift that keeps on giving you know these twitch streams about how oh yeah when I was going to do this feud with this guy I was going to wear a red pair of socks because that would that would tell you how uh, angry I was in this feud like that's not that far away from the things he's saying on these fucking streams like he's completely out of lunch Vince loved him as well Triple H loved him creative are great but for just for some reason he got sacked he doesn't know why like he's just Fucking a late Johnny just, Ice, man. oh he just feels entirely indoctrinated by that system he could he couldn't have come across worse and he is someone i will in a minute make the argument for why i think he should end up in aw i think i'd still despite everything i think about him i still think i'd probably sign him but he's doing a good job this week of burning any goodwill people have got towards him we like, might want him to end up there tommy bella and someone said in the chat yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I, 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 I think that. I think that with Ado as well as it was like, for, for me. It was like okay, so this is the guy who's presented himself as like a cult leader figure, and he couldn't have sounded more like a cult follower anymore if oh, he'd have fucking tried. Like all the stuff that he was like coming out with there, and just uh, all, all that stuff about like Vince loving him, and then him passing off these ideas that he deemed to be creative in some way, and you're just listening to them thinking. If this fiend law level, what you, if, if if this is what you think is creative, if this is the level of stuff that you think is, you know, these are the great ideas that you've been having, and you think that they should be presented on on, on TV, and we just, like you say, throwing stuff in there with a different color lighting or something like that. Fucking get over yourself, mate, because it's just oh, it, it is the lowest level shit stuff, and quite clearly had no balls to stand up to some of the creative that was given to him based on some of the things that he was saying and he, you know, didn't necessarily agree with and didn't feel like, um, you know, wanted to sort of like challenge it and put on his own spin, but he was prepared to just lie on his back and have his tummy tickled, wasn't no, he? Those, uh, those stories aren't true, that. mate. No, all the stories in the dirt sheets about how he was uh, trying to get sent back to NXT. No, he, he, all that happened was he asked to get sent back to NXT and they said, not right now. So the dirt sheets got it wrong. It's like, no, they didn't. That's literally what the dirt sheets said. Like, he's angry at the internet. <laughs> Did he use that term? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the like the Vince McMahon and like Triple H and the actual creative team who were like saying politely no to all his crap ideas. Like, oh, like I've never seen a man so like so clearly trying to get back in the company. Like that's what it, that's how he comes across to me. I mean, the next thing he'll do is pull an Enzo and sit in the third row for whenever they're doing a fucking live event, won't he? Trying to get on telly again. I mean, it, it sounded really desperate, mm. but it and it's it's altogether really disappointing. I mean, those storyline ideas. I would again say I'm not going to recap them. If you're going to listen to one thing about the Tommy End storyline ideas, listen to Joe Lanz and Rich Crouch <laughs> yeah. on the flagship. That is genuinely like piss myself fucking <laughs> yeah. laughing Definitely. i was doing some drilling at the time as well so it was kind of dangerous so i was a little <laughs> bit scared 
And I'm just thinking, yeah, yeah. Tommy N pitches a feud where it's like, put me up against all of the top people in the company mm-hmm. who all beat and then Vince. How creative is that? Mm-hmm. Like, because if I said to you, I've got an idea for a film and it involves me fighting a shitload of ninjas and winning and then a really bad villain winning and there's me and some models and we leave at the end. That's not a creative idea. It's an idea. That's all it is, though. And it's an idea that, frankly, is like very much fourteen-year-old, like kind of kid ideas as much as anything. And this shit, it's not a million miles away from it. Mm. Like, and that's kind of like very rare. How often are you like sympathising with the WWE creative team? Like, never. On this one, I'm on their side. <laughs> well, he's on their like, side. Very. Too. <laughs> That's, right. another, yeah. that's another one of his yeah, lines. It makes two of us, isn't it? Got a hard job. Every, everyone's in the right. Yeah, the, the, the creative team's in the right. But like you, mm. I think that there's value in him. There is value in him. Mm. Obviously, you don't let him go anywhere near the storylines. If he asks for an Andrade, can I have creative control? You're like, the fuck you are. That's not happening. <laughs> go out there and play kickboxer. All right. Mm. Like, that's basically it. Well, some people have said, JP, he's one of the most influential strikers of our generation. So, you know, <laughs> be careful what, what you say. What does that actually mean? I don't know, the but he said it. The most influential strikers of our generation. <laughs> I would argue that's Arthur Scargill, but that's <laughs> another case altogether. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I think it's between oh. that and that, that moment where he was literally sat on his Twitch channel like a moody 12-year-old emo kid playing the, the music that could have been. And he's sitting there rocking back and forth. Oh, oh, the entire chat listening to the music going, yeah, Tommy, oh, this would be so great. Oh, if only. It's like fucking, he's just like, he's desperate for like that, that internet validation that he apparently hates so much. Oh, what a fucking well, nerd. When, it, when, the, he, when he was announced, like, he was the first one to me where I thought, like, oh, like, yeah, he's someone who you want to, like, see rock up somewhere. And, you know, based on what you've seen him do in the past, he could he could be an asset and he could do well for, for somebody. But I just feel like any air of, like, cool that he had about the character, he's just stripped that all away in the last week. Yeah. Because I've, I've gone from thinking, like, yeah, he's a pretty cool character, and, you know, what they've done with him and things, and you, you could see that working in a different setting. Now I just think, what a fucking loser. <laughs> like, you know, and it's just yeah. like anything that you see him doing, like putting on the the, the character that he's, tra- he's portrayed for these last couple of years, you're just looking at it thinking, well, that's a load of bollocks because you're just some absolute, you know, bootlicker follower who's basically going capping and begging for his job back on a daily basis on on fucking Twitch. Like, and you're just like... Like, how hard is it going to be to get behind him now? Like, I couldn't get behind him now on the basis of this. I, I'd find it very hard to buy into him as a as a, as a person or character in in another promotion. I'll tell you, those people still exist because they're the ones still quote tweeting me and uh, replying to me on Twitter. And anytime I say anything mean about really? their mate, their mate Tommy, oh, they're still there. It's the, the Fiend Lord fans, isn't it? They're all they're all they're all still well, still out there. But I, I mean, I would say that like I I can see like I again just you know I think he's a fake hard man and I've never really rated him as a wrestler ring CM Punk cosplay nonsense is kind of how I used to see him in the uh, in the late 2000s before he went to WWE I was never ever a fan but you know this week has told me there are people who are fans and there are people who do rate him and there are people who remember fondly his NXT run and believe some of these terrible ideas might have been good ideas or at the very least believe you know WWE 
dropped the ball. And even with my own low estimation at Tommy End, like I will say, yes, WWE didn't get the most out of him. They could have. I think there's enough of that that he's the type of guy who, like, don't get me wrong, he's not going to be the main eventer, but I'd like, I'd slot him into maybe lower in the card than an Andrade, but like an Andrade, I think he'd, you know, again, despite my own misgivings, give you a little bit of depth to, like, your mid-card, you know, that that I think you could, if you're an AEW, he's the type of guy you can get away with, you know what I mean? He's not Mark Henry, he's not, you know, even Braun Strowman, who come in with a very, very WWE, you know, feeling sheen on him. He's a guy who, you know, to the audience in AEW is trying to attract. I think there's probably still enough value in there if he logs off Twitch for the next couple of weeks and uh, doesn't do any more podcasts. Well, when he finishes pitching ideas like he's Alan Partridge to Tony Hares mm. and he stops pitching his idea of monkey tennis and youth hostling with Tommy End, then at that place we might get somewhere with him. Mm. Um, and yeah, like you, I think there's, there's a, again, it's not things that necessarily I'm mad about. I'm higher on him than I am, than you are, Ben. I don't think that's a particularly difficult thing to achieve. No. But like there's, there's a look, there's a particular kind of style and Aura, and you think of when he first came out as Alistair Black with that kind of entrance and things like that. I know it sounds really silly. I think there's a there's a feud with Darby Allen that seems particularly obvious. You know, mm. having you know, I don't know, emo goth kids kind of fight each other to the death for the for the love of Sting. I don't know, but <laughs> like better than any fucking idea he's he's had. And I've just come up with that on the fly. So That's there fair. we go. Or already feel like in a position of strength from him. But there is a definite value. And I said this on the weekend show. AEW needs some Europeans. I think that's you, the other thing he's got going for him, yeah. 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 And I think that really does 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 kind of mean something. And you might think, well, what does that necessarily it I always think when you when you're presenting your wrestlers from being all over the world, you feel like a true global company rather than the majority of your wrestlers are effectively based in North America or on North America. And I like the idea of the kind of global company when you've got a few people from a few other places. And I think he would fit in. And he's European at a time when a lot of European wrestlers aren't going to be able to get to the States as well. But him coming back to Europe, I don't see that being anywhere on the cards, to be honest. I think he'll be in the States. It wouldn't make any sense. I'd imagine he's, you know, he's married and settled in Florida like everybody else. That's true. Mm. Unless he comes up for like a 16 carat or something yeah. like that. But no, I mean, I was going to say... WXW would be the, the, the obvious choice. <laughs> mm. Well, that's it. He's not coming to progress. Not not this current progress. But I was going to say, like, including him, you know, where the, you know, of the other names is that, do we see obvious landing places for going out? Maybe obviously we mentioned Braun there, but yeah, Lana, Buddy Murphy, Santana Garrett, Ruby Riot. Any, uh, any sh- uh, shouts for them, Gareth? I think Buddy Murphy was the one that jumped out as most exciting for me based on, you know, some of the matches that he's had over the over the last couple of years. And I think as we've talked about like New Japan needing to refresh their roster um a little bit and obviously with him being an Aussie and, you know, presumably gonna spend a bit of time that way, you know, it, it it's you know, it seems like that would be a good fit for him. I'd like to see see him in there, freshening things up. You know, I've talked in the past about a need for like the junior division to to have something a bit new and fresh. And you know, I think he's somebody who you could, in the first instance, slot in there and just you know just just do something a bit different and maybe be someone who could like work his work his way through the system again. Is someone who's sort of competed at that cruiserweight level really, hasn't he? Within mm. the NWWE, so be a decent fit there. But I just think from a a match 
quality standpoint and there's a different face and things like that in there, mm. it, it, it'd be something that would be be a good fit into that mix. I think there's because there is that obvious. I think when there is these releases, there's that obvious thing of just going, okay, like who's AEW going to pick up? But, you know, <laughs> you know, again, it feels like TNA to me. He feels like he'll end up in Impact, and like he'll, he's like he'll be one of those like Slammiversary type names, you know what I mean? And he'll float around, and he might do a New Japan, mm-hmm. and he might do a Bowler, and he might like might end up winding his way on Dark one day, and therefore he gets into AW that way. That's what that's what his route feels like to me. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. You know, he's certainly someone you could see popping up on those shows. And if he did, if he was on Impact, mm. I think he's someone who could have like a really a much more prominent role on their shows, and you know, be, you know, be a be a higher higher level of talent there, really. But yeah, I think I think from a pure work rate standpoint and just freshening things up, I think Japan's where I'd like to see him go. And then obviously, then just dipping into that Aussie scene that. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. people are talking talking about has been a bit been a bit hotter, and he'd be, you know he'd, he'd be coming in there right at the top, and he'd be elevating that scene even more, really, wouldn't he? So I think, you know, flitting his time at, at, at that end of the world, I think that would be a that be a good mix. Mm-hmm. Be some good matches he could have if he gets to have a match with Slex by by that point in time. Royce Chambers, Adam Brooks, yeah, there's some there's some definite good people and you know throughout the country he who he can wrestle i wonder and this is an interesting one because we've uh, one of the the stories I was, I was reading this morning was that kylie ray has got a contract with the nwa and impact hmm. and i keep on thinking that the landscape they're going into there's an option for those kind of deals where hmm. you're not particularly held down to one particular company and in the case of buddy murphy if he goes into AEW, what level is he going in at how much opportunity is he really going to get? It's not really the best place for him. When you mention impact, I think it would be. However, there's a part I wonder if he's going to go to kind of get that indie street cred first. Go out there and wrestle a Lee Moriarty, just say, for example. You know, go out there and have some really good matches on the indies. Like, do your best to kind of turn heads or go, this guy is a great wrestler. Because that's kind of the thing I think that's most in demand than anything else. Mm. just somebody out there who can have good matches who's going to work his ass off and he seems like the kind of guy who's going to be kind of gasping for that opportunity to do that on the reg but under his own terms so he's definitely the most intriguing of them I'd say actually I mean and I've not seen enough of Ruby Riot as Heidi Lovelace so I couldn't really say and it's not like in WWE she was having matches that I was like kind of going out and seeking but I always think there's potential. Ever since, really, Tyre Conti, you just imagine, well, that performance centre can do its utmost to kind of really hold people back. Mm. And if she was really good beforehand and she's had that kind of bit of seasoning so kind of, and has a bit more of a name, I think she's an interesting choice. But AEW seems like a light, like she seems like she'd be a good fit for that division. Not as a top-line star, but as someone just to add that bit of kind of depth to it. But then again, she could, like, there's a lot of spots for women to go to, whether it's Ring of Honor, whether it's Impact, whether it's the NWA. There are spots to do that. That's where you can get you away know, with she it. Might I think, just, I think yeah. like the women's and division. She might, like, decide she might want to do stardom. Mm. Like, that might be a kind of bucket list thing. Mm. She might want to do Shimmer again and mm. Shine, which I could see that being a thing when, they, when they're up and running again, so... Yeah, I I, I kind of think like the women's division is where like you know even an AW as much as it's improved, 
it's not like it'd be worse off for including Santana Garrett and Ruby Riot. Like I think if yeah. both would add depth in different ways, Lana keep her away from that. But you know, then two, yeah, <laughs> Lana I could see turning up with Miro. Like, I could see, I could see I them seeing so. a value in that. Like whether it's you know the crossover fame of you know of, of, of a Lana and how she does on like you know Total Divas and the like and you know the fact that she's independently you know does quite well on, on social media I could see them with the fact that Miro is in any way she starts turning up to a couple of tapings or whatever and then eventually it's like ah oh, should we give it a go I mean they're giving let's be honest they're giving Vicky Guerrero a go so you know I don't think Lana's completely uh, out of the question we'll get into that don't worry uh, but yeah I, I could see that I, I don't know whether it'd be necessarily a positive because I, I kind of have enjoyed Miro as his own man these last few this last while but I wouldn't rule it out as something that would absolutely not work I could see you know maybe them recapturing some of that magic from a few years ago and maybe it winding up there because other than that I can't see anywhere else in wrestling she lands I just want it to stay I mean your first line was you want it to stay as far away as possible I think <laughs> and that's the same for me the idea of her turning up now and then them well I meant in to, ring but yeah <laughs> oh, just, 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 just just anyway you know Miro is looking so good currently if they then just like add this to the you know to the act and you know I was a big you know I loved the you know Ravishing Russian act with you know Rusev at first and things. I thought that it was it was great. It was one of your missed opportunities, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I I loved it. But too many years have gone by now. That character's been through too many changes and evolutions and things that they can't, they couldn't revert back to the the best pairing of them. And I literally, I, I can't see anything that she she would add to the act at this point. And plus, it would just like I don't know. It just adds to this idea again of. You know, we've talked in the past about AEW just getting a bit too TNA or just, you know, just getting a bit too people are released and they're signed. And then we, you know, things just become a retread of things that have been done before and things like that. And, and yeah, this is where I just want to see more breathing space, maybe three years down the line or something like that. If they want to do, you know, do something like this and mm-hmm. bring it back in and something. But yeah, God, I don't want it anywhere near the Miro character right now as it, as it, as, as it is. And, you know, likewise with, you know, with some of the, some of the other, the other guys that have been mentioned there, let's just let some of the existing AEW roster breathe a little bit before we just yeah. start like piling some of these these more people in because again as you know we're going to get onto it and talk through the show but you know watching the show this week when you you have got so many faces who you've who do just look like 10 years ago WWE or five years ago WWE or something like that we need to be limiting that because it's you know it's good it's going to cause issues with the product and and i think lana would be a a prime example of that if they you know just try to to plug her into to what miro has been doing doing of late Yeah, uh, like I say, other than that, I can't see her landed anywhere in wrestling. You know, Joe, Joe makes a Joe makes a good point. You know, you know, Ring, Ring of Honor's never mentioned. You know, when we talk about these guys, <laughs> it, it could be a safe landing spot. You know, Buddy Murphy, I could imagine signing a long term Ring of Honor contract. That could happen. Braun's mm. got enough mates over there. You know, the likes of you know VC3 is very very close with. Uh, outside vest if he stays in wrestling maybe Braun winding up over Braun Strowman in Ring of Honor I'm sure 22 year old Benno just died at that point (laughs) it's dead 
your champion, Braun Strowman. <laughs> oh, I can see it. Hey, there's been a long line of uh, great big men, slugger. That's about it, really. But yeah, you know, it could happen. Uh, I could honestly, I could picture it though. Um, or, or he just, again, like he just disappears uh, for life. There is a also that option too. But yeah, I, I think I agree with you though, Gareth. In that, like, I think there's a, such a there is a wealth of options in the wrestling landscape right now. NWAT and you know, uh, you know. Um, impact itself ring of honor you know even mlw which you haven't mentioned jp you know where i think everyone in this list is going to find a home and it isn't necessarily a case of you know everyone just lands in AEW. jp's like eyes lit up there the prospect of, uh, of braun Strowman coming up in the mlw draft voice tv is a perfect fit <laughs> don't need jericho doing a voiceover for the season four of dark side and get braun Strowman in he's the, <laughs> he's the homegrown boy um there you go and they're all going to be running in front of crowds soon mm. so there's going to be you know there's going to be that kind of like kind of really interesting sort of late summer isn't it like mm. kind of early when are the things up it's, it's kind of late august isn't it so it's mm. going to be sort of september it's going to be fascinating it's going to be fascinating to see where what people do if they do kind of a few indie shows and whatnot and, and really what we're going to get is those people who who kind of want to stay around in wrestling there's a part of me wonders whether lana wants to stay in wrestling where being a social media influencer and doing the odd acting and not having to worry about it, like being financially kind of secure and the rest of it, it's like, well, maybe why not? You know, they may mm. just want to, you know, spend that time just kind of getting to kind of, you know, be together as much as anything else. I could, I could see that being like her not coming back into wrestling. It makes like certainly not as a wrestler. That should never happen again under any fucking circumstances. It's probably part of the reason they cut her. Mm. It's went, oh, she's not very good in ring. It's like, really? Colour me fucking shocked. <laughs> like, I'm stunned that you couldn't pick up on that. It's almost like you missed an opportunity with her and Rusev and should have always kept them together. But uh, mm. enough about that. You can hear that on our, on our Patreon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I could see her, see her winding up staying on Instagram. I could see Alistair Black, you know, maybe gets a taste for uh, for Twitch streaming now and he just does that full time. TW streams with Alistair Black coming soon. Uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's the way he goes. Mate. <laughs> Stealing your gimmick, JP. But yeah, we were, we were going to move on anyway to the uh, the next subject, which was uh, New Japan and Dominion. And uh, we should, uh, should talk that now. We don't, won't worry the uh, the aw burials burials are coming we'll be uh, talking that uh, after this one but this did uh, win our patrons vote for uh, for second subject we've got to talk about this week but yes we should uh, we still talk some new japan and yeah um wasn't expecting this to be so high up the list this week of, of things we were we were going to potentially talk about i think it's you know fair to say we're all particularly down on new japan this last while i think everyone is like everyone to a to a man and woman um that i know was feeling quite negative on new japan going into this weekend but it does feel a little bit gareth like you know a little bit a bit of that mood has uh, been lifted it's hardly like we're all uh singing from the rooftops that uh that ghetto was a as a genius once again but the uh the main event of uh dominion was uh was shingo and uh okada and i think you know if we were betting men i think we all would have lumped all of our money on uh kazuchiro okada i think we all would have very much expected that win i'll tell you i was sat watching this match kind of half engaged thinking okay when is he going to hit the rainmaker come on when's it over let's do it 
and then Shingo won. <laughs> and I almost had to kind of stop and rewind the last five minutes of the match again and watch it again to, to kind of go, oh, fuck, this this was worth paying attention to. This was actually, you know, in doubt. Um, I, you know, I, you talk about, like, buying near falls in matches sometimes. I didn't buy these one bin. It turned out I should have done. Um, but, yeah, all in all, it was, uh, like I say, I think a, a, a positive weekend for New Japan, and I think it's given them a few positive headlines and a, and a little bit of goodwill maybe going against the, the grain of what you might work, expect traditional ghetto to do and uh, and going with Shingo uh, yeah so Gareth what do you think of the, this match and uh, what was your reaction to uh, to Shingo now being the man in New Japan oh I mean I was made up with the outcome it was a uh, it was a big it was a surprise yeah I was definitely in that yeah the, the sticking this on a card of camp and I was probably thinking you know Shingo it might have come in the, the G, G1, you know, maybe a possible G1 winner this year and then going back towards it or, or, or something like that. Um, but certainly no complaints from me. You know, I think mm-hmm. based on what he's done and what he's, you know, he's delivered over the last, you know, two or three years from a, you know, match standpoint has, you know, has j- just been absolutely right up there with anybody in the world. You know, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's many people that you could say have uh, have been better than Shingo over that time period. And it so it felt like a it felt like a positive reward for him for the for the work that he's put into New Japan because I think in this period where it has been you know, depressingly um, low quality and so much bad booking and so much negativity building around it he's kind of been this one sort of beacon shining light really that's uh, stood out uh, amongst the pack and you know it felt feels like a a real positive re- you know reward from on that basis but also it just feels really positive in terms of freshening up the product and just making you feel like okay like he's a direction at the top of the card that i can get on board with and it you know, mm. it it does feel like something that there are now some unique matchups and unique scenarios and things like that that they can go back to or create again that's gonna generate that level of interest. And as we've talked about in the past as well, the run of the company where it was at its absolute best was based on, you know, real strong match quality at the top of the card. And you know, Shingo's someone who has absolutely consistently delivered in terms of match match quality over the last few years as well. So it, you know, it really feels that that that's somebody um who, who you can get on board with. I mean, um and you know I think generally I think the you know the the, the two matches that went before it, I think the you know the the Cobb Coat Ribushi match was a match I'm not gonna like run for the hills and you know throw throw ridiculous stars or something like that but it was a matchup that felt you know fresh exciting something that i bought into i, I like the way cobb's been presented over the the last um you know the the, the recent past from what i've seen and then the the desperado yo match was another one that i enjoyed to a certain level probably you know maybe a touch more than it than i expected it to so i just came away from the end of this card just feeling like very positive towards new japan and kind of looking at it thinking like ah now i'm kind of you know excited really just to see how things you know are booked on on the back of this with 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 some of the some of the Mm. new fresh direction that can come from it i think the answer to how it can be booked is well i mean I say this was unpredictable, Ghetto. I mean, probably what's happened here is he's just gone. He's deleted the name Will Ospreay off his spreadsheet and <laughs> copy and pasted the name Shingo. And I think it's almost like been the easy one-to-one 
probably um, option. You know, I imagine, I imagine Shingo didn't have any major, major things going on for like the rest of the sh- like summer or whatever. So it's probably the easy move to do. It's not, don't get me wrong, it's still taking balls to put him in that spot. But I think that's probably what we're going to get. I think we're going to get Shingo and um, he's absolutely capable and more of, you know, filling that Osprey role as to, you know, whatever banging matches they were planning to, to put together for uh, for Osprey this summer. I think that's what we're getting. We're getting like the, the summer of Shingo. But, you know, I say that and I don't mean it in a way to do it down either. I do think this is genuinely a, it's a brave decision because, you know, Shingo is somebody who, you know, he's known as a Dragon Gate guy, you know, whether the New Japan fans were going to accept him as a top line guy. That was always the argument, you know, when people like us were screaming when they put evil on top at the uh, the end of last year and we were all like why couldn't it be Shingo in this role and you had the the New Japan hardcores going well you can't do that because Shingo is you know is certain it's seen as a certain level etc you know this is them taking a bit of a risk on someone and kind of going well listen he's delivered for us every time out there and he's had you know banging match after banging match when he's needed to and when we've needed him to and you know he's continuously delivered so it's almost like it feels like a bit of a gold watch moment for him um, and a bit of okay fuck it we're in the middle of a pandemic you know we haven't really got any other great ideas let's just roll the dice and go for something that's also what it feels like as well um, it just feels like like it feels just fresh because of all of those reasons and it feels like you know something that maybe we wouldn't have expected going in but maybe they should be applauded for you know given the chance of doing something different in a in a company let's all be honest is you know to most people extremely stale right now and i mean you talk about those crowd uh, about the crowd acceptance though but he does feel like somebody who i know it's like the clap crowd here and it's hard to judge and things like Mm -hmm. that but he definitely feels like someone who has I don't know. I feel like he's been more positively received than other people. You know, when mm-hmm. um, you know over the la- over the last few months, and it does feel like he's generated a a I don't know, just a better, livelier reaction from the crowds, and and it, it feels like to someone with his. I don't know with his, his his crowd work and things like that that he does do that other you know others other wrestlers don't do as well as him. That it's it that in this era of crowds being a bit different, it feels like. I, I mean, my personal view is that he's that he has elevated in stature amongst the New Japan crowds compared to other people who you might have pegged higher than him um, uh, prior, prior to this period. But mm. again, in terms of that plugging plugging him into the the Osprey role, even if Osprey kept the belt, my expectation was that Akada was would have been if this had been Akada Osprey, that Akada would have been walking away with the belt and beating Osprey here with it, and that first Osprey run just being his little you know that tester run almost kind of thing before before beating him you know later down the line so potentially rather than it just being you know plug in and go maybe maybe the whole situation and a lot of the rumors and things like that around attitudes backstage and mm-hmm. seeing some of the negative ways in which the product's been viewed over the last 12 months and things maybe it has generated a bit of a rethink and made them just have to you know not go down the typical booking route of just plugging somebody into that old spot and and, and running with it or Maybe I'm just been overly optimistic, but that's it's certainly something that's needed, and I'm I'm, I'm optimistic that um, mm-hmm. that we might get that because I think it's um, yeah, it's definitely something that's Shingo on top. Oh yeah, it's what we've been calling exactly. Exactly, it's you know you know it's it's made me think. Okay, I'm going to be paying more attention to this now, which is you know the right result <laughs> in a situation like this. Mm. 
JP, thoughts on the conversation from the last five minutes that you've definitely heard the entirety of? <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely heard all of it. So, cyber fight, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, oh, there he is. He's back. Uh, we had some technical is. issues already. No, I, I don't know if you noticed, there was like my lights went, there was like a brief blackout, and my <laughs> fucking router lights take six days to get warmed up, just in case. <laughs> so, and then I couldn't tether the fucking broadband. I, I was just like, oh, great. It couldn't, yeah, all fun. Anyway, about this, Shingo I, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, Chingo, I'm I'm happy one. It feels like it's yeah, it's definitely it's it's just not what they do. It's just not what Ghetto tends to book, mm. and that's I'm happy with that. I've been banging the drum for just saying, well, what do they need out of a champion? Have a bloke who can have good fucking matches, mm. not rocket science at times. Mm. Like, and here we go, we're going to put him up against Kota Ibushi. That should be really fun. Great. Then have him have a rematch with Jeff Cobb. Mm. Great. Like I, I, there are there are new directions that you can go with Shingo that are more interesting than everybody else. Just thinking about it, because you've done what you can with with kind of Naito, Okada, Tanahashi. You've really done as much as you can do with Sonada, Evil, and Kota Ibushi to a bloody degree. Like you've kind of they've gone through a lot of the kind of like potential matchups and. I think Shingo adds a, a more interesting dynamic. I think it's more just ground down in reality. Mm. Like it just feels like it's a real grafter. And I, the point I came in, you said that there is a, a kind of like a, that, that kind of like, uh, gr- like getting a watch for so many years service mm. and stuff like that. I mean, and you could argue like, and I, I haven't heard any of the stats yet on this, but like Shingo's carried this fucking company. Like mm. you take him out of the last year, and my God, where are they? Mm. And he deserves it, but he deserves it entirely on merit. And here's a wacky idea for a big match: Why does Shingo Ishii? Because mm. I think that would sell, and I think it'd be really good. And I'm sorry, it's not Sonada, but fuck <laughs> Sonada fans. Can we have some proper wrestlers, please? Just some proper fucking wrestlers. No bollocks. Not anyone coming out like a fucking anime character. Yeah? All right? Because I'm a 42-year-old man. Let's fucking play this with just some decent fucking wrestlers doing decent fucking wrestling moves. And let's leave that fucking J-pop shit to the side for five fucking minutes and any other silly bollocks and let's have some good matches. Oh, I have to say, I went four stars on this. I think it was amazing. But then I only caught it just before the end of the start of the day. So, yeah, there's my thoughts. I only went four on it as well. That's funny, though, because like, I was thinking I was going to be the low man because the average, just the guy that can tell us, is a bit higher than that. And I've seen people go five on it. But to- maybe it was just my lack of investment, though. Maybe it was just the fact that I just didn't believe it. And no matter how good they were doing, it was in front of a clap crowd, and I was just like, ah, come on, O'Carla wins, let's get it over with. <laughs> maybe if I'd have watched it with a bit more of an open mind and not so much pessimism towards empty arena new japan i would have enjoyed it a bit more because yeah i think the the average is sitting quite a bit above that isn't it gareth yeah the average right now is at like 4.52 um so it's you know it's 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 clearly clearly higher than you two i went 4.25 like i I, I was in the same boat that i was probably flitting between the four and the 4.25 but um Mm. but yeah just ended up just just going to touch higher than that that personally but it it definitely didn't feel to me like it was in the the territory of you know some of those those other matches but i mean just there where you're like talking about the ratings and you're talking about like the performance over that that 12 month period and uh, you know again you know 
I've, you know, me referencing things there, but, you know, I, I went back and I was like looking at, okay, like the, the top 10 matches that have like taken place on the app this year. And like, you look at the match of the year currently is like Shingo and Osprey from Don Taku. And then second behind that, Shingo and Jeff Cobb at Wrestle Kingdom. Third behind that, Shingo and Tanahashi from New Beginning. Yeah, also in the top 10, you've got like the Shingo Osprey match from New Japan Cup. You've then got this has just like tucked itself in there at like number nine for the year as a whole. So of the top 10 matches that have, you know, happened on the app based on average ratings this year, Shingo's in like five of them. <laughs> that's just, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, if you think that that's spread across, um, you know, for four different opponents there as as well. Mm. It just shows again that consistency and versati- versatility that it brings, and it just really shows the the value in right now having someone like that with the belt on the top of the card that you can, you know, put in those different scenarios who you can pretty much is going to guarantee is going to deliver and not shit the bed. And then you know, I think one of the things as well that. Um, was referenced on commentary during this match was the volume of matches that he's had. I don't think anyone's mm-hmm. had more matches for New Japan in you know in this whole pandemic era or you know from the start of last year even you know so again just shows his reliability from that point of view where clearly there's a need for a bit of stability on top of the card as the as, as the titles changed obviously with the Osprey scenario obviously getting you know taken off Ibushi pretty much immediately as well it just gives you that option as, as well that you know you've got somebody who not only can you rely on him for match quality you can rely on him to be there and to be working and to be you know consistent every every night and as you're trying to get the the, the, the crowds back you know what more do you want you, you know you can't beat yeah. a bit of stability you can't beat a bit of stability in that situation and especially when he's bringing the quality with it as well mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder also, like, who was on the shortlist, you know? Was it Imano Okada? Was that literally it? You know, did they consider anybody? I, I mean, I say this, we're going to be like, imagine he loses his first defence to Ibushi and he's just, he gets one of them runs, you know, he's transitional Wouldn't surprise type. you. Oh, let's hope not. Let's hope all the things we're saying about him are true, you know. I wondered as well as about whether or not, like, are they still wary about giving Okada the kind of, fa- the being a rain and having to have the big matches month after month and probably at a much heightened kind of pace than what he is doing that there's a part of them where you think you kind of need to have a card as champion quite sparingly. I don't know if you necessarily always like it's a, it's a very easy thing to do and I wouldn't blame them for doing it. And it's what I was expecting. And it's kind of half the fun of watching this match. I would say like, it's just knowing the result hmm. because even, and I was talking to you when I kind of saw, how they reacted at the end and that's great that's like worth it in mm. and of itself is, is is how they react to it but it just made me wonder about going to Tanahashi going to Naito going to Okada it's all starting to get a bit broken down now mm. isn't it like there's a lot of like and obviously Shingo's body is going to be taking on that toll as well but they're going to need to start really thinking around this like the old faithfuls you go back to you can't, and, and you know, God, they're pushing Naito in with a tag team against Sonada against Dangerous Techers, which I'm kind of fine with because mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's really. I'm, I'm not saying main, Naito's done as a main eventer, but do that for a bit. Why can't they have a you know go and have a tag team feud? Fuck it, they're different. I know it's I know Sonada's there, but at least Naito feels like a different dynamic, and we probably add a lot of heat to those kind of tag matches as well. But so Shingo is like the kind of 
obvious choice. And even from a storyline perspective with LIJ and all the rest of it, he's kind of the obvious choice like mm. to to go with. They're still their big merch sellers. He's the guy who can go as a singles champion. So almost like by default, he wins as what should be the nomination because there really isn't anyone unless you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle and put it on someone really kind of left field and hope like, I don't know, great O'Kan kicks on. But I'd love to see your reaction if they'd done that, Benno. <laughs> I think though, you list all those factors and it still shocks me they didn't go, all right then, Sonata. You know, like it's still yeah. surprising that they, or, or let's go back to evil, you know. Um, I, you know I, I do give them them credit for, for trying something new here. But uh, I was going to say, you know, yes, Matthew mentions in the chat there, Jeff Cobb looks like he's being groomed for a top spot. That was kind of the uh, the other mm. big match on this night. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Kota Ibushi, I suppose he's in the mix too. Um, but yeah, any big thoughts on on that match as well, uh, as well as maybe uh, anything else you want to say about the main? Uh, I think with the Cobb, um, Ibushi match, and I have to admit, I've been kind of like crammed them all in this evening. It's mental weeks and all the rest of it. So I don't feel like I really concentrated on it as much. I thought I thought generally it was good. I went three and a half on the app. But again, there's a part of me that might need to go back and revisit one mm-hmm. or two of these again. It's not really doing it justice. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you'd hear about them meshing together seemed to pretty much be the case. It didn't seem as heated as what I, I kind of would hope it to be. There's a place for Jeff Cobb that he's found. It's, I'm happy to see the kind of improvement just the kind of little bit of that that aggression, that bit more of a serious edge. I'm not he's not a monster per se, but one of the classic tropes of Japanese wrestling is having a kind of bigger, big hard American quite high up the card. And at this point in time, with a depleted roster, he ticks a lot of boxes for it. Mm. Get a boost, you get in the win, leading to a title defense for Shingo. If Shingo defends that, um, you know, that could be a belt or a match. Oh, it seemed yeah. like a more enthused Cobb. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, uh, Ibushi as well for this. Have that many times have they wrestled before? Mm, I don't I'm think it's sure. that many. Mm. Cobb and Ibushi. Mm. No. I'm no, no, no. Ibushi and, um, Shing- and Shingo. No, there's been a couple yeah. of high-profile ones, hasn't there? I'm sure there was a, mm. was there a G1 match. And, you know, I mean, you know it's going to be great no matter what you no matter the, the circumstance uh, with them too so yeah you got still looking forward to it. it it didn't feel overexposed as a match mm, no it doesn't and it as a solid feel fresh. feels fresh yeah. that's the thing about and if you're wanting top, isn't it? Mm. yeah mm. but like yeah I was going to say fresh. on like that Kobabushi match like I was I was into that I went 3.75 on that one um, only just saw it just as we were uh, we were coming to record today but that to me felt like one of Jeff Cobb's better performances I know he's in there with Ibushi and I know I'm saying 3.75 so it's not exactly like I'm calling it a five star match but as far as like the work he did in the match like ragdoll and Ibushi around and you know basically doing as much as they possibly could for the short amount of time they have it was like a 15 minute match something like that like I really enjoyed it it almost felt like a bit felt a bit like a G1 kind of match that one to me um, and it was like the best I'd rather that with Cobb than you know him outstaying as welcome or whatever and yeah I thought that was a particularly strong match where were you on that one Gareth? I was the same as you, 3.75. Like, I, re- I really enjoyed this. I, I, again, like I you know, touched upon it previously, I've just been enjoying Cobb's work of late, really. And, you know, I think he's the, you know, as much as within this, obviously the the United Empire is built around Osprey. Like, I think Cobb's looking like, or has looked like he's he's emerged and kicked on more than anybody else in that, in, in that group for, for me. And he, he definitely seems like, 
I don't know, he was always somebody who I didn't quite take that seriously. Or, you know, he was capable of like pulling out a good match, like now and again with the, the right opponent. He could have like a real, you know, he could have a real banger of a match. But he, um, he, he I, I feel like he's just added like an element of consistency and an ele- a bit more like realism and, you know, that sort of like aggressive edge to his character and things. And I think the, 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 the setting that he's been in has really, really worked for him. And, you know, I think this, you know, this match in particular, it was one where, like on paper 12 months ago like I, you know i would I, I probably wouldn't accept him going like um to, to the, this level with abushi based on the way that he'd been presented in the past compared to the way that abushi was but you know to me it felt very credible that he was going to come away from this with the win and and again i was watching it thinking it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't feel like wrong for him to be, you know, actually getting like a title shot and challenging at the top end, which again, if you, if you turn around and you said 12 months ago, would I feel like that about Cobb being right at the top of the card in, in, in New Japan? I just, you know, I just, I'd, I'd have said no. And, you know, it's something that I've brought up in the past was the fact that he beat Osprey in the G1. And, you know, so to give him that win over someone that, you know, clearly they had big plans for as 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 well. It was clear that they'd sort of like marked him as mm. uh, as that person they wanted to sort of step into this this breach of this you know this type of type of act within in the card that they've they've always had over uh, over the years. And yeah, it just for, it really feels like he's he's delivered on that, and he he just looks more dangerous. He just looks more like a credible threat than he, than than he's ever done uh, ever done for me. And you know, if he can keep this up and he can keep developing in the way that you know for the next six twelve months in the way that he has in the in the last six six months, mm. yeah. Suddenly again, you've got somebody who's you know feels a bit new and feels a bit fresh and who can go on the on on, on the right occasion, who can who can step into that spot and you know as, as I read out those those list of of ratings for the top ten matches of the year. You know his match with Shingo from Wrestle Kingdoms tucked in right there at number two as the as the second best match of the year. So you know that one was absolutely fucking great stuff. So you know I wouldn't mind seeing uh, that one come around definitely. You know, giving them a little bit more time to go out and just uh, knock out each other for a bit, be right up for a bit of that. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, interesting. Never- Positive things to say about your powerful one. So, how long's that been, mate? <laughs> no, it feels feels like a new day. And, and, and even saying Rest none of us are like thinking like that main event was like a, like a match of the year contender and like that. Like other people are. It's more the it's but the potential, isn't it? It's the okay, yeah. I feel like I've been woken up from a slumber. Like like I said, I felt like at the the closing stages of that Does main it- event. I feel like yeah, the New Japan fan in me who's just literally this month cancelled New Japan World is start suddenly having a, maybe a little bit of remorse about. It if we are going to get you know a summer of Shingo on top and you know but some he, of these more interesting combos beneath him, but he feels like someone with a bit of common sense has gone to him. Right, you need a champion. Put it on Shingo. Mm-hmm. Crowd seem to like him. He's fresh at the top. Why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, all the post its on the wall says that he's going to get a run in sixteen months. And you're like, fuck off, mate. <laughs> he's up now. Stop fucking around. Stop <laughs> listening to fucking Togo because he talks pure shite as well. Like this is. This is this is what a grown up booker would fucking do. Mm. He's the hot lad. Some fresh matches. He's he's delivering like the best matches of anyone in the company. Mm. Again, sometimes this booking lock is not fucking rocket science. But the title on the bloke who's good. How wacky is that? Yeah, and go out and have a good match and have a nice clean finish. Lovely yeah. stuff. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? We don't need heat. <laughs> this isn't memorable. No, nah, we're gonna get dressed up as a fucking. 
goth with the fucking I don't know the big bloody um, scythe on him and the rest of it. Talking about Tommy Could could well be. Wouldn't surprise me. Could also be talking about Matt Cardona. <laughs> Bring him in, Matt Cardona. Pretend it's John Moxley. Do the same angle again. Paradigm shift on Shingo. Takes off the mask. There's <laughs> money in that. But uh, this shit books itself. Did you guys have any thoughts on anything else on this show? Did you see anything else on this show? I'll be honest, I only uh, tuned in for mm. the, uh, the final two matches. Did you watch any of the undercard? I weirdly watched uh, the... Oh, I watched it very late last night. I watched Desperado versus Yo, mm. which I thought, again, was a was a good, solid match. Mm. Like, again, it was... What was it, a five-match show, this? Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much, which seems pretty crazy. But at least for time concerns, it was all under, what, what three hours, which is which is good. It was a good solid match with three and a half stars on it. They were like kind of each working over each other's legs. They weren't reinventing the wheel. Despy is a good solid champion who's getting some good face reactions and it sets up him and Ishimori next, which is, which is okay. I'm fine with that. It doesn't set your world on fire, but given that Hiromu isn't there and he did appear at the very start, Hiromu doing mm. running around the ring stuff. So there you go. Isn't like Shingo one day, we need that on top. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, I, I, you'd see him come back and just say, I'm not going to go back into the junior division. I'm kind of past that would be would be the best thing to go with that. But if I was New Japan, I'd be keeping this title on Desperado for a, for a long time. I think they've got to go out of their way to try and build someone up as the kind of next cre- credible junior champion. Desperado's been that good hand. I always like him. He... he, he when he's in there against good opponents, he'll have good matches. And Yo was fine here, but yeah, keep it on him for a bit. Have this, have this be a title run that means something, like the Shingo one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched this match as well, and you know, I gave it three and a half. Like, I enjoyed it to a certain level. It was a match that I wanted to see because I think it was on, it was on due to be on the show last month, and then it ended up getting cancelled because of the the COVID stuff. And I think the the build to it had had been quite good. So I remember being being a bit disappointed that 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 one had slipped off the card. And it was you know it was fine. It was enjoyable enough. You know I think uh, I think it could have been could have been better in the finishing stretch based on some of the work that had gone before. But um, I think the, the the thing that grated me on me a little bit afterwards was you know they had the Ishimori and ELP coming to the ring, and then it was so then they were they were. Challenging showing you for the tag juniors for the junior tags, and then but then then you had the sing then the singles belt challenge was in as well from from Ishimori with uh, um, El Desperado as well, and it was it was it was all just a bit like so we're just getting this bleeding across both the singles and the tag belts and things, and it just sort of really made you think, God, this just smacks of. That division just needs some more depth. And I know I mentioned it previously when we were talking some other releases, but this division just needs three or four fresh faces just to just to mix mix things up a, a, a little bit more. And I, I know ELP is in there, and there was there was kind of like a hint of possibly him and Ishimori, you know, potentially having a bit of you know bit of beef down the line based on Ishimori stepping into this this singles title title shot, but. Yeah, I think uh, I think if we're going to have this, where it's just the same guys come, you know, competing over both belts, then yeah, they really really need to do something here to shake that up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'd say Leo Rush is coming in at some point, isn't he? He's there. Well, that's going to excite guys. I just paused there, mid putting my cup of tea down. You're joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Uh, you listen to those news updates, mate, you would have probably heard that. I don't know. I can't remember myself now at this point. <laughs> Oh well, he'll add, he'll add some uh, some light to the division. There you go. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, you mentioned that that show went less than three hours. And speaking of things we want to keep below three hours, let's move on to another subject. We have got a lot to uh, to get to today, and we probably won't spend. I, I say every time we have like a dynamite like bit like this, where I always go, you know, and we won't spend much time on dynamite this week. We'll talk about it more next week. I bet we end up spending an hour on this now, but no, we will genuinely try. It, it wasn't a. It, this was not an AEW show that it, like deserves <laughs> that much analysis, but there are parts of it that that absolutely do. Um, I don't want to say it was the worst Dynamite of all time, but it felt like one of the most disappointing to me. Um, this week's Dynamite, like I, yeah, I just felt, I just didn't feel like AEW. It just felt, and it felt the worst thing about it is we're coming out of coming out of a big pay per view where live crowds are back. You know, crowds are going nuts on dark. Jungle Boy's looking like the biggest star in the world on fucking elevation, and then you know it's like, oh, cool, AW's back. We're gonna, you know, they're gonna get a proper run of things, and then like, yeah, the shows are on a Friday, or maybe next week they're on a Saturday, and then the week after that they're on a Friday, and basically June's entirely written off. And this show felt like a write off because I mentioned those those live loud crowds before. Fuck them, they, they might. This might as well have been an empty arena show because fuck me, was it dead on this episode yeah. of Dynamite? Like it was like biggest takeaway at the start of this show, and it it just got worse from there. Really, it was such a, such a strange feeling show. Maybe it's the fact that they are still insistent on taping dark and elevation before the show. I believe that I saw a couple of people saying they were watching dark and elevation in these last couple of nights, and the crowd was a bit livelier because it was daytime, and you know they hadn't been kept there as hostages all day. Maybe that's a a lesson to learn for the future. And yeah, just everything everything about the show just felt a a little bit downbeat and you know i think the biggest headline coming out of the show is is andrade and his debut and even that just it just fell flat didn't it It just yeah think about a debut that you had the opportunity to do on a pay-per-view in a meaningful angle and instead it's coming off the back of what mark henry's in the ring do it no i think before that we had christian and matt hardy doing a pull-apart brawl then we had mark henry in the ring doing a promo about how he might wrestle again and the crowd for their part were lively for that for some reason thought that was a great idea worrying and then from him <laughs> into vicky guerrero who then who look who then introduces andrade does it in a shitty screaming voice that was passed its sell by date 15 years ago. Nobody can understand what she says. So Andrade got barely, you know, there was no reaction to his name being announced. He came out to no music and then he kind of stumbled out and people did react to a point. But again, the tired crowd kind of heard that too. And then he was stood in the ring looking like a million dollars, but stood next to what looked like his mum in Vicky Guerrero. And like, you know, Andrade is like this, this cool, good looking young dude. And for some reason he's with Cougie Vicky Guerrero doing a 2000, and five gimmick and for me that angle just summed up this week's dynamite in that yeah they got i feel like they got a lot of things wrong not much right and this just didn't feel like the aw that we all love this week it just yeah things just felt wrong this week things felt off this is a hard watch mm. sorry go on gareth yeah, I was, I was just a big time just like absolutely agree like mm. the, I, th- I think the crowd definitely took away from it i think to you know throughout the show i was thinking like 
wake up kind of thing and I was wondering how like I was thinking is this live is this pre-recorded I had no idea I wasn't sure which one of those weeks it, it was I was thinking how much wrestling have they had to watch before this point and things like that because it just felt like they didn't want to be there and that made me feel like I didn't want to be there either yeah. when I was I was watching it, it, it AW Dynamite never drags and this felt like it dragged for me if it, it was if if felt like I was watching an episode of Raw or something it really really um you know dragged things out and and, and it almost like it just reflected in, in in all of the matches that everything just felt a bit average and just a bit sort of strung along. And even the even the highest points of some of the matches that you'd maybe like pick out has been better. They just didn't feel that good, and everything was just kind of brought down a level. But yeah, that whole idea of you know, totally agree with you, Vicky Guerrero. There, that was such a wet fart of a segment. You know, when she, when she said his name. And you can't, you couldn't you couldn't hear it. It just wasn't audible at all. And then mm. it, clearly it wasn't for the crowd either. So you could see on her face she was waiting for the reaction, and then just got no reaction at all. And then like you got a bit of one when he came out. You, you could see you could see how inaudible it had been. That the fact that there was surprise when people saw who he was, and it was it was positive when you looked at the. I don't know. You know, there was definite shock and jumping up and down and things like that from some people in the crowd, but. It wasn't electric. It wasn't like the place went yeah. fucking nuts for him, but you know, by 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 any degree, and you know, that's certainly not the entrance that you want, um, you know, a signing like this to be to be making. Well, it kind of comes down to like, what deal is he on? Is he on a pay? It's it's a kind of per appearance deal at the minute, isn't it? And did that make me feel like they? Were, I don't know if it made me feel like they were like kind of underplaying it in a way that if they'd been somebody who because I just got the impression that Mark Henry was a much bigger deal than Andrade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I, one of my takeaways was. I was like, "And how is that?" And then I was thinking, "What did I like about Andrade?" I was like, "Yeah, wasn't the act with Zelina Vega good, Vicky Guerrero?" <laughs> and you're going, mm, "Like you just don't look good by comparison." It's like here's the things that makes him kind of cool, hmm. and we're going to lose all of these. Like and it just didn't. Yeah, him coming out with no entrance music, no fanfare. You mentioned this kind of dead crowd. It felt like I was watching. I was like, "Oh, you've cut, you fucked his intro. You've mm. just fucked him coming in, and you only get one chance to make a first impression." So, like, as a signing, it just didn't feel like it meant anything at all. No, it, it should be special. Can I just we'll go can he just go with Andrade? Well, this El Il El Idolo. What's wrong with Andrade with Sombra? That could work, you know. <laughs> I would have done yeah. that. Maybe it's uh, the worried about legal ramifications. I don't know, but yeah, because Jr. couldn't fucking say the say the name. Could he kept calling him Andre? Andre. Guys, <laughs> like, give him. Give, he needs to fuck off. There's plenty. Peter Andre. Well, that. But I, I was gonna say, like, just cut in there, JP, because like I think the biggest problem with this was it should be, and this goes to what you were saying earlier, Gareth. When people jump or leave and then get signed up. It should be special. And this wasn't special because he was coming off the back of fucking Mark Henry getting a, an in-ring yeah. segment and on the back of Vicky Guerrero cutting a promo and on the back of Christian and Mahardy starting their feud that nobody wants to see. I don't even think Christian wants to see that based on interviews I saw him with. So, uh, Over 50 demo, mate. Oh, mate. Like, fucking maybe that's what they're that going for. Up. But it just didn't feel special in any way. And I think, again, I, I can't get away from the Vicky Guerrero aspect of it. Like like Sean said right. in the chat there, I don't want to see Vicky Guerrero 
ever again in wrestling, but I bet you that was the conversation. We can't get Zelina. So who've we got? Oh, there's Vicky. Oh, yeah, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, yeah, he's like the new Eddie Guerrero. Oh, we all like Vicky. Oh, she gets heat, though, doesn't she? So that makes sense. Not, like, accepting the fact that, okay, yes, she gets heat from live crowds, but we have to sit there and watch her on TV. You know, again, 15 years past the sell-by date of that gimmick. And, like, it just it doesn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny, really. But I can bet you, like, Cody or someone backstage probably thought that was, oh, we'd give one to Vicky, you know. She's only she's only on dark doing stuff with, like, the, the, the women's division or whatever it is she's been doing this last while. Let's throw her a bone. Let's give her something with Andrade and not realising the trampling all over the debut of this genuine could-be money-making star who could have slotted right into a programme with Kenny or could have had a hot debut at the pay-per-view, you know, 48 hours later, like Sean's always said. Like, there were so many better options than what they did. I can't believe I was sat watching it thinking, fucking hell, it would have been even better if they'd have brought him in playing bloody Pac-Man with Kip Sabian. Like, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, it was, you know, you talk about, like, fucking up, you know, yeah. fucking up bringing people into the roster who potentially mm-hmm. could be, you know, could be doing something well. Again, this is one of these things where they're starting to build a little, you know, worrying, worrying little track record, you know, with mm-hmm. with with some of these decisions as well. And this is where, you know, I don't, we 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 praise them massively when they when they are good, and it is good most of the time. But there have been a few red flags around certain things with the volume of things happening on the show, or you know, certainly the way people have been presented in the first instance, as you know, as we've we'd, we'd had with Christian Cage, with Miro before that as well. You know, things coming through here that you know, and it's one of them things I don't like it. <laughs> it's because I've enjoyed the product so nice much that when it, when, I, when I do get a situation like this where I'm like fucking christian cage and then the next segment it's mark henry and the next segment it's vicky carrero and it's oh. vicky Guerrero ruining someone who i should be excited to see on the show you know well the ratings bear it out that it wasn't a good show 420,000 yeah oh fucking hell yeah i mean i suppose it is a friday night and then you make it watch across the course of the course of the days but Fuck it, it's still a big live drop off that, isn't it? It's, I haven't seen any quarter hour figures or stuff like that. Um, I should ask Ryan Satin, he's normally well up on these things. But like, <laughs> if, if, if like, we like, if you looked at those, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be fascinated to see if there is a kind of like a general slide or how some of these these did. Because mm. if it's Friday night and you're like putting on, and it's like we said earlier on, Benno, here's Mark Henry, mm. here's Christian and Matt Hardy. Mm. here's Vicky Guerrero and one of the things that I've kind of liked and this this has been like the wariness of the signings of like kind of I think Tony Khan had made a comment about wanting to sign a few people and it was just like do you watch Dark and Dark Elevation you're the ones cultivating some genuinely new talent here who really you're in a position I don't know it's like Chelsea wanting all big name signings and going you've got a fuck of a load of lads out here on who you could be putting out on loan there's mm. loads of people. You, why not use some of these guys? That's my fear. Like, if Mark Henry is there to make, I don't know, um, Nick Camarotto and Powerhouse Hobbs look like absolute beasts while kind of lifting him up for a slam and stuff like that, then fine. But I don't think I'm not sure that's going what's going to be happening. Well, even and if he's just a trainer, he doesn't have to be on telly, does he? You don't have to make, make a big song. It's only Mark Henry. You don't have to make a big song or dance about it. You already got his pay-per-view big moments. Big talent scout, isn't he? Yeah. That's you know. his job. 
Have them out scouting then. Mm. Mm. But they've got him doing colour commentary <laughs> as well. And so you've got two colour commentators who are both ex-WWE. You're just waiting for the moment they come out of retirement. Mm. Go, all right, we're playing a waiting game to one of the, till they had their own angles. Mm. So you, you've got the same potential angle that you could be running twice mm. across, like, you know. I, I, yeah, those are things where you just kind of think, can you just keep some of this stuff simple? Mm. You've got quite a – you've got – a big enough we talk about WWE being bloated you'd argue the amount of TV that AEW is has that they're kind of bloated although I know dark and dark elevation are different because it's people on very short term kind of deals being cycled in and out as well but there's a load of good young people they could really do with just kind of getting behind mm. and it feels like some of that stuff gets lost and I don't enjoy watching Dynamite when it's focusing on stuff that's kind of doesn't feel new and fresh and you, you know, it felt, yeah, it felt very TNA. Mm, it did. It did. And, you know, I don't think they were the only problems with the show either. Like I'll be honest, I thought the Britt Baker yeah. and Jericho seconds for both garbage. Yeah. Like, I hated oh, both yeah. of them. They both felt very WWE. I, I don't agree with people who were like, cause I, I think, you know, a lot of like, and you say this a lot, Gareth, you know, we've got to like untrain ourselves from WWE mindset in that, you know, the pay-per-view cycle is over now. So, you know, these guys don't don't deal with each other, don't feud with each other anymore. But I think you've got to end some of your feuds at your pay-per-view. <laughs> like, it feels like everything is carrying on. Like, and especially the inner circle stuff. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I did feel like we were going to go towards Jericho and MJF and we were going to get that eventually. But for Jericho to come out and cut that promo and just be like, yeah, it's not over. Okay, great, cool. We sat through two blood feud ending matches, and turns out there's more to come. You know, that was kind of my worry. That's why I maybe assumed in a circle we're baking up, and we weren't going down the show. We we're going to go maybe a more creative route towards MJF and Jericho, but apparently we're not. That's just carrying on. And like I say, the Britt Baker segment was it was Monday Night Raw shit, and it was very similar. And it was just yeah, it just felt it feels like as Joe said in the in the chat, someone needs to get a grip of AW creative right now because you get you're getting too many similarish segments on the same shows, too many cooks, and you're just getting crap like that that felt like it was just there to fill time. What did did I miss something? What was the burger thing about? Was I, I, I just didn't get it? It just didn't seem. It just didn't seem. I think she relevant to, to Mackie's me. offered there. to pay for like people for us. I think oh, she yeah. did a tweet begging for Mackie's to buy to to like yeah to pay for a celebration food or something like that. And they sent her a load of vouchers. I think it's all based on that. But she's I mean, a fucking dentist. Also, oh, imagine yeah. if your dentist went <laughs> right. I've just given you a couple of fillings. So celebrate. <laughs> Go and have a couple of fucking whoppers. Exactly. Well, that, well, that's what me. I was thinking. I was thinking, why, why, why is why, why is the the Brit Baker dentist character promoting burgers? It just didn't seem a logical fit to me in any any way. And I was thinking, I must have missed something. There must have been something on Dark Elevation or something. Clearly, Come it was on on, Twitter, on on Twitter. But like, fucking, I was just left there like dumbfounded. As what? Why is there all these burgers? And why is people bothered about burgers? And like. It just uh, it just seemed totally totally bizarre, mate. Gareth, dentists have changed since our day. All right, <laughs> no longer do you go in and you've got um, you know. Oh, here's a lollipop. So it's a Big Mac. That's how it works. This has not happened with your kids. <laughs> My boys would go fucking batshit if that was the case. They'd be <laughs> all over that stuff. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, God no. no. 
But yeah, I thought all that was stuff was bad. Like, I don't think there's anything really worth picking apart. Like, you, ordinarily, Young Bucks and Penta and, and Pack would be, you know, a match that I'd be raving about coming out of a dynamite. But again, like you said, Gareth, the, the crowd kind of sort of that not being as exciting as it, you know, could have been in any other circumstance. Anthony Agogo hit the world's shittest punch on Cody Rhodes. Apparently, we're carrying that thing on as well. Like, that was weird, that whole tag situation, because it mm. felt, you know, QT Marshall got himself a bit of heat, but, I mean, okay, why? Um, just a weird fucking well, dynamite. QT Marshall's taking strong. on Kenny Omega at All Out. You're not following this. Oh, okay, that's, that's where we're going, is it? That's where we're going. That's yeah. where we're going. <laughs> there, there, there's, just yeah. some, there's just some weird dialogue as well, like in that mm. Mark Henry interview. Like, he opened it up by saying, like, I'm not here to fix AEW. Like, AEW's not broken. But the way he delivered it made me think, like, are people saying AEW yeah. needs to fix it? Are people saying are AEW's now. broken? Kind of thing. And, like, and, and it, it felt like a really negative slant for him to be starting his first, his, his first interview on the show with. And it was, it was odd. Hogan used to do that stuff in TNA a lot. He'd turn up and go, look, I know TNA shit, but I'm here, so it's better now. And you go... What? Is this thing I've been watching for the last few years shit in your opinion? <laughs> PS is the nasty boys. Like, my God. Like, just fucking hell. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm so yeah, like the, these are the kind of things that just kind of worry me in general. <laughs> they're, the, they're the things I think that, you know. I think we just need to get through the month. I think honestly, I feel like we're in yeah. a holding pattern. We just need to get through. They just put on a load of young people. Mm. Like at least I could see the investment in that. Mm. If you went, all right, we're going to put Jungle Boy in another main event. Like mm. I know they're going to have that with Kenny Omega in a couple of weeks, or we're going to have a match with Britt Baker against Ty Conti, and we're going to put that as a main event. I, I can see the benefit of it at this point. If the ratings don't mean anything, and I don't think they mean anything to Warner, then fuck it, experiment, mm. but not experiment with a load of like with a load of talent who are past it. Mm. It's like, you've got some brilliant young talent. You could, you know, that's the stuff that, that you do. Mm. Yeah. I guess we'll see. And you know, they are building oh, towards the- Alex Marvez was funny. I <laughs> like he well, interview thing. He does that role perfectly. Yeah. That's not enough to carry the show. Though. I mean, it's not enough to earn him a wage either, in my opinion. But, you know, <laughs> he's funny the three times he turns up on TV a year. But on the announcer point, no, we, we have, before we do move on, how fucking shit was Jim Ross again? Like, get rid of him. Like, he's just go. Like, again, audibly gump, grumpy during that Young Bucks tag. Again, fucking up Andrade's name. Again, just a complete waste of space. Like that, he offers nothing at this point. I'm going to start the trend. Sack, hashtag sack JR. It needs to happen. Hashtag sack JR. My mm. God, that's uh... <laughs> it, it. It is us because, like, I, I think I remember, like, after about a year of AW been on, it felt like it was kind of like back in the groove a bit. Like he knew sort of the backstory to. You know, all the characters and things, where it's obviously been dropped into various things that you'd seen him on over the years, like New Japan and World of Sport and things like that, where he had no fucking idea who anyone is and he was getting loads of stuff wrong and things. And you thought, like, oh, he's done. But after maybe like a year of AW, because he knew who everyone was and he was heavily involved and things like that, it felt like he was he was doing all right. But yeah. my God, the last six, just six months, he's, he's just gone, hasn't he? And like, he, he, you know, you. At, at times, you're questioning his absolute enthusiasm to be sat there even doing the job because never mind just like the the inaccuracies and things that he's getting wrong. Like, 
half the time he just makes it sound like he'd rather be anywhere else than sat, totally. you know, calling some of these matches. And you think, he'd rather be calling what a way to, yeah, absolutely, you know, think, what, what a way to present your your products. You, you, you've got a guy who you know is talking you through it, and he almost sounds like critical and um, apologetic in, in, at times mm. about some of the stuff that's that's going on. And you think, and like, no, you want you know you want someone to actually be like calling the moves and sounding excited when big things happen and things like that not not bringing it down and he's banging to that territory mm. yeah, awful. I think Graham Norton has more respect for the Eurovision Song Contest than JR does for some of the fucking wrestling <laughs> on it like his attitude towards it is actively just, just, just dismissive mm. yeah which is there's no excuse for that and also might I add incredibly fucking unprofessional mm. yeah Given what his job is, which mm. as with all wrestling commentators, it's not about moves, you're more of a hype man than anything else. But yeah. It's like, watch this. I don't like it, but watch it. Yeah. How's that gonna work? Like Sean said there, he only seems to care when it's the big guy, when it's Mox, Kenny, Cody, yeah, he turns it on to an extent. But like mm. everything else, you know, he's not really that interested in. Or as Sean says, apart from the women, there is that too. But yeah, he does. Yeah, he just doesn't see that. Maybe that's the role, you know, bring him in every now and then for a main event or something, give it that epic feel for the main event, or like, like WWE started to do with him. I, I don't know. Um, don't know what you do um, other than sack him, which is uh, which actually is my vote. But yeah, weird, weird week for Dynamite. Moving backstage. Yeah, there Moving you go. Yeah, to the back. Have, him, relations, Sutton. have yeah. him work at what the hierarchy between the booking and all of that stuff is. Have him as that mind to say, actually, you need to have a proper structure in place. That's where he can be best used. Mm. But as a commentator, and I I have at times kind of not really said too much, I say, but even I'm at the point, I was like, oh, for fuck's sakes, mm. you, you're just being an arsehole now. Like, yeah. and that's not good. If you're not enjoying it, don't do it. But there is still a role for him if he, gets back to kind of as a consultant looking over it who speaks to Tony Khan and says the things that should be there. Like a good Jim Cornette <laughs> without all the problems. I mean he did he, he did say during one of the ad he did say during the outbreaks that he was a he was a big fan of rugby. So next time he's over there I might drag him along to Dome Park and take him to see a bit of work in town against Keith Lee Cougars or something like that. I'm sure he'll enjoy himself. He'll, he'll enjoy a big lads Saturday in the afternoon. Other. You know what <laughs> Workington Keithley. <laughs> you'll have better time doing that than calling any young bucks tag. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that. He'll but, enjoy uh, himself in working in working weather spoons as well. I was going to say, did he? Did you say Keithley Cougars? I, I did. He'll be over for the second part of that phrase, won't he? <laughs> Insert cowboy hat emoji. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, moving on from uh, from AW then into uh, apparently what was the uh, the biggest show of the weekend according to JP and JP alone. Cyber fight was not this weekend. Sorry, JP. <laughs> was it DDT? Was it Noah? Have we decided yet? Um, Gareth says Gareth says Noah. The app says Noah. So, so uh, is that what we're going for? It was no produce. Well, technically. Noah produce. Um, I went with the main event. <laughs> there you go. I think that's fair. Think well, it was a triple main event, Gareth. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, uh, commentators didn't Very seem sure about that. But, yeah, I think there was four main events. Um, but yeah, um, uh, if you are looking for it on the app, it is uh, is under Noah. But yeah, JP, this, did you watch? Did you watch the entire six hours of this? That's what I want no. to know. I was telling no. our uh, telling our patrons before we uh, we hit record. They had a fucking mare on the new Wrestle Universe site. Like I couldn't get people were saying, oh, you could use like 
the old player still. I couldn't get that to work on me. I just couldn't get the page to load. Didn't work with my Chromecast. Didn't work with my Google TV. Every time I was, it was dead. It was like I was trying to like just watch the final four matches. And every time I get to like a certain point in the main event, which was like I was just dying for it to be over at that point. My player had just skipped back to like some rando DDT match from hour two, and like Chris Brooks would be hitting somebody with a fucking inflatable willy or something. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, come on, lads. Like I just want to finish this. Like I might as well, JP, have sat there and watched the entire six hours. The amount of time it took me to watch the last two. Like I, oh, I, I save no time from trying to do this. But I put the work in, mate. I'm with you on this one. I, I, I you said it best. It. It, it took you four hours to watch two hours of a six-hour show. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's that's like it that's. Then that's a problem. That mm-hmm. entire sentence for that. I I didn't have those problems, and I watched a lot of it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, it like more because it was on very early, so I I sort of watched it. I was able to watch like it was very weird because it went on the very beginning, and I was like, "Are they playing Groovers in the Heart" by D Light in the background <laughs> as soon as you put it on? I was like, "That's." Because you never think, well, what music are they playing in Japan at the arenas beforehand? And you, I, that still seems to work, whether it be weddings or Japanese wrestling shows. You know, mm. that's the kind of tune that you can always go back to. I watched primarily the last four matches. Mm. So, I oh know, last five. So I watched the very, like the DDT versus um, Congo, um, like 12-man tag, mm. which... Again, just a load of bollocks. There's a bit in it where there's a lad with a giant hammer, another fellow with rings. They put a, a mask on the on the um, on the referee, and I'm like, I just don't get this. Like, this is just, <laughs> I don't get this at all. It's, it is, it's, it's very, it's just not me. Mm. So a lot of the DDT stuff isn't there. The fact that you've got like, and the finish in itself wasn't actually that bad because I had a guy Sakaguchi who was who was great because DDT do have some like excellent wrestlers but that kind of outlandish comedy it's it's just not for me i just can't connect with it and i've seen enough of this stuff i tried to watch when i'm having the fight in a fucking swimming pool i saw it when an elephant was kicking footballs against chris brooks and every time i'm watching this like completely stone-faced i'm not really reacting to it mm-hmm. so that kind of stuff i can leave behind i did think the tag match between um uh kiyomiya and inamura versus um it was Eugene, all right. Yeah, no. I've seen Hyrians on the off. I gave it three I, and a half. Not tri- much. I don't, I don't really see. I think I went three and a half on it. I think mm. I, I went, I went, oh, I thought, I thought that was good. I thought the match of the night for me was the Tokyo, um, Tokyo Joshi oh, Pro no, match. Oh, that was terrible. What are you on about? That was shite. Really? <laughs> well, that's shite. I like that. I thought it was a mess. I think they, they didn't seem like they were on the same page at all, them two, and that one. I didn't enjoy it one bit. Oh, uh, I... I kind of did because, uh, uh, what was her name? Um, Sakazaki wasn't doing any of that magical girl shite. Mm. So I was kind of, I, I I thought it was like, it wasn't, a, I have to say, it wasn't as good as any of the stardom stuff I'd watched. That was the case. I think I went 3.75 on that. Mm. And then we got to the main, which I went two and a half on. And what we have found is what a waste of fucking time that absolute like title run of KG Muto is he turned up for the like he wins it in Budokan he loses it Saitama Super Arena mm. yeah we're starting a fourth title reign of Marafuji what fourth t- four times a charm is this when the Marafuji reign is going to result in like kind of boffo box office no 
So who gains out of all of this? Just a complete waste of time. And for me, as a as a big, great Mooter fan, I was just like, oh, for fuck's sakes. And it, like, he does the moonsault, Marafuji kicks out. And then there's like a series of knees. But I have to admit, in that main event, I was bored. I was like, I have been through this it again. Was it was fucking weak. I like a lot of the title runners weak. I two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just... Ah, yeah. oh, for fuck's sakes. I mean, I said to you on the weekend show going into it, like, is is there a, you know, a, is there a chance that Marafuji wins here and you ain't buying it? But, you know, surely, no. the, surely the lesser of two evils now uh, in getting the win here. Well, and I can see, I can see Alan, Alan, Alan Farrell in the chat there. And he would, it's because Nassau is a booker. He's just fucking all over the place. Mm. He changes the, ju- I don't watch Noah Juniors because it feels like it's a waste of my time because they'll have a match and then they'll turn on each other and they'll join another part, another stable, which I won't be able to keep up on. And then they'll join another stable after that. And then they'll turn on each other again. And it just feels like, do you know, I haven't got the fucking time for that. Kia Mia is going through some storyline. Cause he's the one who took the pin. Um, and I'm just there thinking they're doing a storyline with their young ace where he's like kind of having to, he's like coming in a bit of a funk. And I'm like, really? Is that the storyline you want to go with at this point in time? While it's, you know, a fucking plethora of 50-year-old boys all over the shop. Yeah, it was was an especially weak match, like I thought. Like, I thought, like, Mm. the the mat work was just slow (laughs) at the start. And then it just kind of, it does feel like, you know, Marafuji is just trying to take it easy. It doesn't feel like a a fight at any point because he feels like he's going to break Muta and then Muta... Literally, almost breaks himself. Oh, you know, I did pop for it, but when he hit the moonsault off the off the top, yeah. where like you see those fucking knees bounce off the, the mat, and you're just like fucking Christ, mate. Like uh, I know it's like I suppose he wanted to go out with a bang in his uh, in his final title defense, but is it fucking worth it? And then the finish kind of came right after that, didn't it? It felt a bit like there was no real finish and stretch in this thing. Marafuji just kind of nope. just beat him, which you know, considering this is a uh, a title reign that's you know got a, a few news headlines and stuff and i suppose should have been you know substantive moments you know amara fuji beating him and getting the belt it didn't hugely feel like it either for the end of the big show what does he gain by it marafuji mm. in all of this that's mm. that's where i kind of come from it's like what's the purpose of this reign now i know there'll be people saying well they did good box office so it's like well this show is not being sold on muto it's being sold on you know a triumvirate of promotions all with their own little separate fan base as well so muto isn't that budokan like would they have not at that point in time would they have done any more business with muto on top it was a heavily restricted crowd of what four thousand in budokan that they did so like but that was limited due to COVID. Hmm. So I don't think there's any kind of like necessarily box office defense. He makes, he, do you know what? Great to put in a promo package before the match, but then you remember you have to watch the match afterwards. Those promo packages are great. And then they end and he comes out and I'm like, oh God, yeah, it's going to be half an hour of this again. Um, yeah. There's more interesting directions from this, hmm. but it does feel like the last, what? that great Shiazaki reign just ever more goes into the distance just mm. feels like something that that feels like it happened a lifetime ago because this run has happened and the kind of nonsense around it feels like it's taken over 
And this show, I'm not sure what it did numbers-wise. I want to say around probably 5,000 5, for that. Again, I think what I get more annoyed about, and I know I'm going on a rant about this, and I know we've got other stuff we still need to cover, but there was there's a chance at the minute in Japanese wrestling of like really putting your best foot forward. And I keep on banging the drum about this. Dragon Dragon Gate do it. I mean, and they they do it, and they're successful enough doing it. It's not something that we all get, but you can understand what they're trying to do. Like even all Japan, you're thinking, all right, this is interesting. Are they making some moves to kind of becoming a more interesting promotion and more interesting on top? Noah, with great presentation, like kind of English commentary, so it can be seen by everyone. You think, oh, we've got all these young guys. Fuck it, we're we're going to waste all of all of the booking for it. it. It's it's a massive disappointment, and I don't see like what what is a Marafuji rain going to do. Well, you, you said there before, you said, what does Marafuji gain from this? What does Noah gain from it? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely nothing. And, you know, you think it felt like, you know, for, it felt like with that um, Muso run that it, it was going to be then passed on to one of these younger lads who is beat that, that then, you know, that then face him and one of them would beat him and that presumably get some kind of element of, you know, rub on the back of that. You know, I was in the same boat as JP, like you say there on the Friday show. Is there any chance that Marafuji wins this? Like I was thinking, no, nah, no chance. This is, you know, this 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 just felt like a, a, another win all the way, working towards him getting beat by a, a younger guy who could then, mm. you know, take things to you know take things on to the future. And when I saw this result, I was gobsmacked. I, I, I couldn't believe it, and it's uh, it just seems. Just seems a an, an odd odd direction completely. Mm. Yeah, you think you'd want to do something, you know, with somebody with a bit more potential for that big future loss. You know, if you're going to do this and you're mm-hmm. going to make us sit through those matches, and we've watched the majority of this rain, haven't we? And talked about it on the podcast. You want it to to pay off a bit better. I mean, Alan saying in the chat there that you know Cyberfight as a whole got you know really big positive coverage in Japan um, for already seeing. You know, this was maybe more of a brand exercise if anything like i would say you know while that note while the no you know the noah stuff left me with a bad taste in my mouth at the end of the night i did really enjoy you know uh, you know i rag on ddt but you know uh is it hiroshima and and junakiyama in the in the uh, the semi-main event i thought that was a really good match like i gave that four stars on grapple like that for me like that felt like it was just a good like you know junakiyama is like the killer trying to trying to get the Hmm. chokes and uh, you know as a as a great like underdog uh, hiroshima kind of coming back and you know hitting reverse runners and hitting like more flashy stuff and trying to stay in the match like i really bought on that one in like the closing sequences that was i'm looking at grapple and it isn't you know the the the, the match of the night as far as grapple users go i think uh, the, the grapple users seem to prefer the the tag we mentioned before in the uh, tokyo joshi pro match that we can maybe mention again in a minute that uh that seems to get higher votes than this but this for me was yeah the, the peak of the night um as far as like a match goes and as far as drama a match goes like they really pulled me into this one into a, a show that to that point i wasn't really enjoying do you know what i i I'm looking at my notes, I'm struggling to think of too much on that. I don't know whether or not I was particularly busy at that point in time on the Sunday morning when I'm watching it. I think I went three and <laughs> a half car- on it. Am I carrying the fucking... Are you bollocks? <laughs> or you trim- can do for one. You can carry Noah. <laughs> I didn't even want to talk right? about this. <laughs> I, I, I put down on it, it's fine, but also Akiyama for like 52 
is mm. pretty incredible. Mm. And Muto's not that much older. And look mm. how fucked he is by comparison. Oh, yeah. And I have faith that Akiyama, ultimately, whether it's... I think he beat Yano for the title before, for the KOD title, so whether it's Takeshita, mm. that, that it goes back to... I have more faith that Akiyama's going to kind of do this the proper way, whereas the way that Muta did it is for himself mm. and a two-year contract with Cyberfight. <laughs> and... Yeah, no, that that was for me like definitely a positive, like something you could maybe say, you know, it felt like a, it felt like a big fight. It felt like something that could have gone mm. on last, and you know, been a more of a logical, just you know, enjoyable um, match. But no, I thought that was really strong, and yeah, you know, as far as like I say, I didn't have much in the way of much positive. Otherwise, I've seen the grapple ratings, and they are particularly high. But like I said before, the the Tokyo Joshi Pro match to me was just it, it was messy, and it was like two strangers in a match together. That's that's how it came across to me. Um, just didn't felt I like enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've seen high ratings for it. I've seen you know like there was a couple of kicks that was proper fucking horrible I mm. thought but in a kind of good way mm. yeah, I don't know I just felt like there were a couple of moments in the match especially where they looked like they were just they'd lost their place um, but you know it's not a promotion I'm into and not like a, a feud or a match or a you know, or two particular wrestlers that I'm that I'm hugely into. So I suppose parachuting in on a an offer show like this maybe isn't the uh, the best way to do it. And you know, like I say, the the tag match with uh, Kitamir and uh, Inamura, that one was you know that's got particularly you know good grapple ratings, hasn't it, Gareth? Like that's that's the one that I think that is that trending as the match of the night for the show. Yeah, it's bang on level with the um, Tokyo Joshi Pro match. They're both at like four point zero eight. So. You know, mm. they're they're le- they're le- level for for the match of the night there. So just a touch, just to, that's like forty eight on both of them. So mm. just a touch ahead of that Akiyama uh, match, that's at like three point eight five. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, I saw some big scores going in for that when it was first put on the app. The um, the the Tokyo Joshi Pro match was, you know, the, I saw some, you know. 4.75s and you know a couple of fives i think going going for that like quite early on so i was thinking oh that's something that's that's must see but um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. listen to ben um maybe not the best example, you, but. <laughs> you'll be happy to know i think their wrestle peter pan show they're doing a two ring exploding ring match or something oh, like that, that. yeah so they're, they're doing that coming up i think they're doing more much more cross promotional stuff mm. Um, it's very hard to see Jun Akiyama not ending up in Noah mm. in some way, shape or form. It seems very odd that he's in DDT and not Noah, but then they did have him have some exchanges with Kiyomiya as well. I think there's, that's a way to go for them, isn't it? But mm. the issue is the booker. I think we can, we, you know, of that, I'd feel very confident in saying that's the, the problem with Noah at the moment. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like I say, it, it sounds like, you know, fair amount of people at least gave it a go as far as uh getting getting ratings in on the on the on the app and like Alan said, you know, if it's done good publicity in uh, in Japan and, you know, the write ups are positive, then you know, who are we to say good business. Yeah, that's it. And you were like you were saying, Jake, we joked about it earlier, you know. It, it felt like a big show this weekend, or at least one that was, mm-hmm. you know, notable, um, at least in a in a, in a sea of many other shows this weekend. It was, it was definitely one of the more no, one of the more notable ones, and just sort of interesting because that and Dominion probably have same kind of attendance figures as well. So, mm. 
Fair enough. Well, moving on then, we've uh, just got the small matter of uh, a couple of uh, documentaries to talk about that we've uh, that we've seen. And uh, Gareth, I think uh, this evening, in fact, uh, we managed to uh, talk you into watching the uh, the Bret Hart uh, documentary on uh, on A and E. And I've only got one place to start here, mate. I don't think know if you saw my tweet earlier, but what I really want to know is uh, what you thought of uh, one talking head uh, Drew McIntyre turning up in it. I thought that would uh, <laughs> particularly <laughs> please you for that. Mate. <laughs> Every time I watch every time I watch Drew, every time I see him do a suplex, I, I think <laughs> Bret Hart. It's the first thing that I think of every time I see him. There's just uh, there's just so many parallels there between the bit between the two. I thought uh, thought yeah, I thought it was fairly uh, fairly accurate of Drew to put himself on that same pedestal as uh, as good old Bret in terms of uh, terms of ring work, but. Um, mm. Oh, what a fucking documentary this was. Loved it, obviously. <laughs> like mm. uh, you said there, talk me into watching it. And don't need much talking into yeah, watching it. It's a Bret Hart documentary. Any, any, anything, to do with, uh, Bret, any, anything to do with Bret Hart. And it was uh, it was good because given how much Bret Hart stuff that you know I've watched over the years and interviews and podcasts and documentaries and things like that, there still felt like an element of freshness to this as well, I think, with the way that they, um, as um, some of these... Um, any ones have been is the early years, the earlier backstories, filling in a lot of information there that you've uh, that you've maybe not seen before, and um, you know, get them, you know, certainly old footage and old photographs, and getting them talking about the, the the earlier days, and not just playing lip service to it, actually like spending a decent amount of time getting into a you know a reasonable amount of depth, and just kind of like putting you in the mindset of the the, the individual at that that early stages and that's where some of these have definitely kind of stood out and been better than the dark side of the ring ones where they've you know they've, they've maybe moved at too fast a pace to to get to where they they, they needed to, to to get to I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed all the uh, all the early stuff on on, on Brett in this one and you know it was mm. it was just really well presented I think take Drew McIntyre out of the mix but I think having like the you know some really good talking heads as well on this one with, you know, certain certain family members and, you know, certain people from the industry as well, just putting those different slants on things. It was, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed every every second of it, as much as I kind of, you know, when when I knew you'd watched it and I thought it was coming up today and I was supposed to be watching the Cyberfight Festival and uh, so <laughs> actually yeah I'll, uh, I'll I'll just put that one on the back burner and as soon as there's a sniff of uh, anything Bret Hart I'll be uh, I'll be I'll be right in there watching it and I'm I'm, I'm bloody glad I did because it was it was great stuff. <laughs> you, put, you should be putting Cyberfight ahead of your son and Bret Hart. That's <laughs> well, to, well, to, well. To be fair, that was the other point. I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll get Bret watched, and then I'll I'll tell the lad I'm not taking him to football training tonight, so I can uh, sneak in there for Cyberfight matches. But the hang dog, in, the hang dog look on his face when I told him that I wasn't going to take him to football training. The uh, you know the the family instincts kicked in, and I, I went with uh, Alex's football over a uh, two and a half star motor match. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you were gonna pick one of one of either like this this would have been the one like i was surprised how much i enjoyed mm. it because it is 
it is kind of like a well-told story. We all know everything about Brett. You know, you know they're going to cover you know the obvious stuff. Or he was in a tag team with Jim Neidart, and then he was a singles guy, and then you know he was too small. Or all the steroid guys are gone, and then yeah, and then and then Montreal happened, and then he went to WCW, and then Owen died. Oh God! What's this Montreal thing? <laughs> Tell me, indeed. No. Uh, you know what? They didn't spend too much time on it, though. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it, it, it didn't outstay its welcome on it either. It just felt. Yeah. It felt fresh, and I like I. I mean, to a broader conversation about these documentary pieces, like, I think it was easy to sneer at A&E early on and go, ah, they're just mm. going to tell the WWE side of history. And there's elements of that, you know, when you've got Bruce Pritchard in the room, that's going to happen. And you've got Vince McMahon unchallenged um, going on about, oh, they just had to take the belt off Brett, you know, that is always going to be an issue. But overall, I think the A&E crew have done a, a bang-up job with these documentaries, and I think they offer something fresh you know we're going to get in you know i did actually catch up on the ultimate warrior dark side of the ring that we've not talked about yet and uh, mm-hmm. i thought the a and e piece blew that out the water yeah it was terrible i mean but as far as having like fresh cover fresh like episodes of fresh angle on it and f- you know fresh material and you know interesting talking heads it was similar to this brett one in that yeah they they did manage to put a new spin on like an old story and you know just to stick to the brett one like i i really thought like this was the most brett hart has come across human to me in a long time like you actually got to i felt like i knew him a bit better out of watching this because how many bitter Bret Hart, you know, transcripts of interviews have you read or heard or, you know, what he'll outright say himself, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a man who's clearly got a, a lot of hang-ups uh, to do with the wrestling business. But I watched this and I was like, it was emotional in positive and negative ways. It was emotional in that, you know, you, you got to see Brett be happy in moments like even like in the old days when he's drawing his little cartoons and they go back and make him re- you know show them to camera and he's almost giddy showing off his like drawing of like a big fat hulk hogan and a and a doofus looking goldberg and you know all these great like doodles he's done or like andre the giant and stuff like that like somebody needs to sell that by the way like we need an ebook of bret hart's cartoons over the years because they're fucking great stuff but he's like showing them to the so camera a load of them of like him stabbing a vince mcmahon voodoo <laughs> He didn't show them on camera this time. No, it was all all happy, all happy memories this time. But like, he genuinely had a smile on his face during that bit. He seemed happy when he was showing, like, you know, his student film that he did before he got into wrestling. And then even the bits at the end where it was sad, you know, where like he's talking about Owen dying and he's talking about his parents dying, and you're getting genuine emotion out of Brett. It just felt like a side of Brett we haven't seen in a long time and you know you get the happy ending of him with his with his new wife his very young <laughs> new wife and his uh, she's in her 30s don't worry it's, she hasn't he hasn't gone full Brit res but it's still a still a bit of an, an age gap but you know he's like he just seems genuinely happy in his life and you know he's got this nice little you know new generation of hearts around him so you get all of those moments and it just felt like we got a bit of a peek into who Bret Hart is as a person now rather than maybe this bitter caricature he's kind of felt like a little bit in the wrestling media these last you know 10 15 years it sounds absolutely fascinating i'm kind of gutted i haven't seen it in in prep for this but this is something i definitely want to catch up on but in terms of the a and e documentaries the guy it's the guy ultimately who was behind the 30 for 30 flare one hmm. and i think you mentioned it earlier on i think the thing that really works with this is it's the level of access they have 
But if you've got, a, if you're a good enough documentarian, you know how to ask questions and make this interesting. In other words, it's not someone within WWE who's having to go along with a house style of these are the things you talk about. These are the kind of preconceived narratives. Feels like they're coming in quite fresh with this, but they also have the benefit of being able to interview the people who are relevant. So I'm assuming someone like Austin is all is in this as well. Yeah, is he? Is it, he, he, talk, he, talks a, 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 yeah. he talks a small amount about feels the, like the, but he's there. the rest of the yeah. match, but they got him. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's not like, I don't know, Jim Ross talking about the ultimate warrior mm. or something along those lines where it's just like, I, you're not really crucial to his career or anything else like that. At least with Bret Hart, there seems to be that credibility. I look forward I think, to this. You, you lads have yeah, sold me. Yeah, I, th- I think as well. There was just some good stuff with the, with, just with the family members as well. Just yeah. with his daughter, you know, talking, you know, talking about her side of it from being someone who's, you know, her dad's away three hundred days a year, kind yeah, of thing, and just putting that, putting that angle and seeing it from their from their Is perspective. And Julie, Julie was on it. And Ju- Julie was on it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, and she 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 talked quite well. And and, and I think some of the, the other things that I quite liked were the with the angles that they put on other people in his life as well so you got a good chunk on Stu, and you can't you, you sort of found out a bit more about you know, Stu. do you know when any, when anyone talks about Stu hart all you hear is someone doing the Stu hart impression and you hear about um him stretching people and people you know people screaming and maybe By the way, they about tell those him. stories like oh it's really funny he did this he basically tortured the man and almost killed him and made him shit his pants it's like that's not good. That sounds terrible. He sounds like an awful human yeah. being. Yeah. They aren't happy memories. <laughs> like Brett's but, like, yeah, but, I was five and I was having me dinner upstairs and I heard the man. Miss, miss you, Stu. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but they did go beyond that. I think that yeah. was one of the ticks in the box for me was that you found out a bit more about younger Stu Hart and you found out a bit more about oh, Helen Hart and, and, and things like that. And, you know, the backs, the, you know, sufficient detail about them the running of stampede and things like that and equally just when they touched on things like owen and stuff like that it became a little featured point but it didn't it didn't overwhelm it in any way you know it was something that they went into sufficient depth on owen and showing childhood photos of him and things like that and stuff that was all you know interesting new new stuff to 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 see as well and you know i think we talked last time jp about the differences between the um, the ulti- the two Ultimate Warrior documentaries, and you know, mm. this one definitely sort of felt like it. You know, it sat in a similar camp to me. There, it was that front end element where you just found out more detail, and you got a little. You almost got closer to the individual because you found out a little bit more about what made them tick and things. And then mm. I think, as Benno was saying there about mm. the things where you saw Brett with a smile on his face doing his paintings and, you know, different elements that he was going back to from his childhood that he was, you know, his film that he'd made and things that he was like fondly remembering and things like that. It just brought you just closer to the, to the individual. And then obviously he's having his little, little digs here and there and things. He shows his Goldberg Hogan picture and he's like, yeah, two of my favorites, you know, (laughs) just a a little one. Brett's going to Brett. There, but I want it, you know, I want him want him to be doing that. And I just came away from it just feeling like I don't know, as a big as as a big Bret Hart fan, sometimes I worry about like you, you know, you see these things and you think, oh, 
you know, you just don't want him to do, just be this man who's just suffering in this well of bitterness and pity mm-hmm. and things like that. And looking back on his career with um, regret and things to, about how things ended. Whereas I think it painted a picture towards the end of he was someone who was almost like at peace with life and he was kind of like enjoying himself mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, with his family and with his new wife. And, you I'm know, he's got a 30 year old wife. I wonder he's feeling all right these days. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely recommend it. Recommend anyone. Or he could have asked. You don't know how these things work. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I again echo what Garrett's saying. I did. I just thought it was a really, really just good piece of work, and it was yeah, enlightening in all the ways. Um, Gareth said there, and even you know, going down like the. It, to be honest, it was a, it was a nice change of pace on these A and E documentaries because it didn't start with Vincent Van going, yeah, never believed in him, thought he was shit. Turns out he wasn't. Like <laughs> with this one, he was kind of a bit more like, oh, you know, and Brett was always, you know, he's one of the greatest champions we've ever had because he, you know, he had that degree of believability, and he, you know, you can tell he's saying it through gritted teeth, but you know, I think he means it. Um, and yeah, like you say, you can't, you also can't, you can't like not get a, a couple of moments of funny Brett art in it where like the moment where um, you know when he goes back to Raw and he does that hug with Shawn Michaels and he's trying to tell a story to the camera going you know and you know we and Shawn saying it as well oh we 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 had our issues in real life and you know in, in a way that kind of like if it was a, there was a bit of real life on TV there when we hugged and you're just watching the footage back Brett's well got a face on you can tell he doesn't want to hug yeah, Shawn yeah, like, like Shawn's trying to shake his hand and go oh, it's all on the walk the bridge and Brett's got like his Brett art smirk like grudges don't uh, don't die easy yeah. with uh, with Brett. So he's right, right. slightly well. patting him on the back. Yeah, but Sean's yeah. giving him the full hug, and yeah. Brett's just giving that slight pat on the back with a little oh, smirk. Man, but he's right. Brett he's is right. right though. Well, he says that about like Michael's, Sean and Vince. Hogan, Goldberg, mm. Vince. Mm. It's not like he's been wrong. How shit WCW was and the state mm. of that. He's not wrong. I mean, he's a man who's been who's allowed himself like at that point in time in his career to allow himself not to get fucked over necessarily. But mm. he was always very much that kind of stoicism about what is right for the business. Mm. And that kind of stuff, ultimately, like you need to be at that level. It just proves you need to be, you need to be playing a political game, which is the kind of thing that clearly I just don't think he was ever set up really to do. No, He just didn't understand why there would be politics within wrestling. It's like, I'm the best wrestler and I'm kind of over with, like the audience at this point in time, having me on top is the kind of no brainer thing to do. So like the idea of a load of lads playing politics or politicking for positions and the rest of it would have been stuff that he just never, he just never seemed to get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, switching over to um, dark side of the ring and you know, oh, like a, fucking like cheers, mate. Well, I'll mention the warrior one a little bit because we didn't really get to properly talk at least on the actual podcast section, but like, that warrior one, just I think it's suffered a lot from it's so it's saying if the A and E one didn't exist, I think we would have went ah that was a B episode of the Dark Side of the Ring it was all right, but I think because the A and E one existed and it had all that extra fan footage of like you know Warrior doing that apology and you know it had lots more about the relationship with Vince and like you said there Gareth about Brett it was like we got to know Brett Warrior the human a little bit more like. That was such a that was a really good piece of work, you know, especially in hindsight. I think even watching it, even talking about it, we're like, oh, it was great. Imagine what Dark Side of the Ring are gonna do. And then we found out Dark Side of the Ring, it was just it was a bit of a burial, really, wasn't it? I think it was a bit heavy. It wasn't particularly fair, to be honest. I felt like a lot of the talking heads were just taking shots again. You know, your Jim Rosses and your Jim Cornettes and that. There was a lot of stuff in there. It was like, okay, yeah, you didn't like him. You know, okay, can't get it. You didn't think he was good. Okay, we get it. Like, you know, 
surely there's more to this story. In fact, we know there's more to this story because we saw the A&E episode about him. And yet it just felt bit one note really um and a bit like yeah uh, you know the, maybe maybe the fact that they couldn't get talking head stuff with his current well not current wife but you know his wife at the time he passed maybe the, the fact that they didn't have access to that maybe that changed things a little bit you know they i suppose they went a little bit harder on the you know the horrible things warrior said in the speaking engagement stuff although i don't think they have much more than you know than the, the a and e dot had even from that point of view it was just yeah, just for me, just a bit one note, and I know it's Dark Side of the Ring, but it, yeah, I don't think it... And I know Warrior was a piece of shit in a lot of ways, but uh, I think A&E was probably a fairer piece overall compared to that. I did think it was a, a, definitely a disappointment in a in a strong Dark Side of the Ring series so far. It was a character assassination, mm. is what Dark Side of the Ring was. Maybe. It never... It. Maybe. But... <laughs> well, say, yeah, look... Is he look? It's much more interesting a documentary if you even like it, whether you like him or dislike him, that you get the idea that there is a human being behind this. Mm. And in and in the in the becoming warrior one, which really the clue is considering it's the ultimate warrior, if it was good, it would have been two parts and would have been an opener or a closer to a series. Instead, it's kind of thrown in the middle after collision in Korea, which probably tells you about like how much faith they had in this. And it's almost like it's a thing that they felt they should have covered rather than something, can we cover it in the way that you would do? But there's no attempt to look at the family. Mm. The only talking head that's relevant is his first wife. Mm. There's a whole period of time after he leaves where you're not speaking to people who are relevant, yeah. which is really what the A&E documentary has, is the talking heads are relevant. Mm. They're the people who were there. They're there in the room with them, apart from Hogan. His ex-wife that's- would be a good addition to the A&E one. But she, she can't be, be your main good- talking head. That was the issue, wasn't it? Nope. She can't be your main na- yeah. narration piece. She's talking about what he was like in like 1991. Mm. Now, with if you're looking at this with the benefit of hindsight, it's like, well, like how he was in like the two th- two, 2011 plus then, 20 years later after they've divorced, mm. things are going to be different. There's going to be stuff about his story is different, even if he himself is not a sympathetic figure. Like, but just to choose not to really go near it, is it was it was just poor and it was it was very much a mess because there's like large swathes of his career that aren't there there's other bits that are focused on a bit more it's just tonally wrong it's just the self-destruction of the ultimate warrior part two mm. with his ex-wife mm. in there like it, it was i felt it'd just be so disappointing yeah, you you just nailed my thoughts on it completely there, JP. Just to totally totally aligned to what you said. I didn't even finish it. Like I got to, I think I got to like thirty five minutes through it. And I was like, yeah. there's no point in watching any more of this. Like I, I, I was interested in the ex wife stuff at the start because it again to me that felt like it built on the A and E part because you had that other voice that was in the room from his you know, his early days and his, you know, his motivations and things at, 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 that, at that time. I quite like the, the, um, that, that element to it. But yeah, beyond that, it felt like the talking heads bits had just been like from the cutting room floor of the self-destruction of the ultimate warrior DVD really. And it was, it, it didn't, it didn't feel like it had any depth or, you know, you know, you, you don't want to stick up for him, but any, any balance to certain elements either. And, yeah, going head to head, it was there was no comparison for me. It was very poor. What um, 
Dark Side of the Ring did do well, though, and <laughs> it's not a nice way to end the podcast today, but very dark story of uh, of Grizzly Smith, uh, which was the episode this uh, this most recent week. Did we all see that one? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. That was heavy. That was hard going. That was... Fuck. Oh, yeah. I think I knew the story, but I don't think I knew the story. Like, I think, you know, you hear bits and pieces from Jake Roberts over the years, don't you? And, you know in beyond the matter and the like it, it, it comes up a little bit doesn't it and you kind of have a knowledge that he had a hard life but to this degree like poof, there were some revelations in this one yeah there really is this is this was horrible this was like buck zoomhoff part two mm. and i don't know if i'd say it recommends people to listen to the bit where i talk about it. it's just like it's horrible he's mm. grizzly smith is just a awful fucking loathsome human being is what what you come out of this and and i always remember that bit in, in dark side of the ring where it's just like he was he was brought into the world with love and i'll and i'll always love him and it was just like it's told in the most insincere way as him and jake are scraping up leaves on his fucking front front porch it's so like it, it's so unremittingly bleak mm. all of it all of their stories are bleak it kind of felt like Requiem for a Dream the last half hour of that. It was just like a series of horrible things being told to you. The amount of people who it's unacceptable, oh, and I'll say this about like, and I did see people having a go at, at Cornet about this, but I think there's a point to be raised. Grizzly Smith turns up to house like to a series of shows with a nine-year-old girl and nobody's fucking questioning this. What the fuck? Like, seriously. And I know, like, a lot of the things, well, the parents allow it. It's like, but you're also a fucking conscious human being who knows that this is not right in any way, shape, or form. Do you fancy saying anything about it? And I thought, like, um, his sister, Rockin' Robin, like, she comes across as, like, like, really good. And, like, the way that she ends up, like, sort of standing up to him when he turns up with, like, the with like the nine-year-old of just going, no, no, can't, can't do this. And it's, yeah, absolutely fucking, this is the bleakest episode they've done. And that's saying something, but this one is because there's nothing in like, it's not a fun watch. It's a better documentary than the warrior one, oh, 100%. but there's no happy ending here. They're all still estranged. Sam Houston is a mess. Mm. Like just even looking at him now, he looks like someone who is, like in the midst of like dealing with a serious alcohol issue as mm. well. And, and like it's, and it, it's all inevitable because Grizzly Smith is such a fucking vile fucker. Who's never around. Like he leaves the mum, doesn't he? And all like all sorts. And it's just like, it's just awful. And the way he treats his kids and, and the way Jake's saying how much of the character he takes, because it's all built on the anger with the dad, mm. which he does some Jake stuff while he's there. But then with him, you'll always get the interesting insights where he just talks about how Aurelian Smith Jr. doesn't exist to him. He doesn't speak to that person at all. Um, like, they said this about Flair, where, like, sort of, like, there's Richard Flair, who, and then there's Ric Flair. Mm. And Richard Flair never comes into the equation. And it's the same thing here where Jake the Snake has completely replaced any semblance of Aurelian Smith Jr. Mm. Yeah, I don't think anyone's called him that name in years. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I knew that. Like, I think I knew Rock and Robin was his sister. Like the Sam Houston thing as well. Like the you know the 
the extent that that went. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I didn't know, but you know, yeah, you just can't help but feel just bad for them all, can't you? And I think it was good in that they sourced them all and got them all on camera, including you know the son who, who didn't turn in to be a wrestler. I thought he oh, was extremely valuable on there, yeah, to offer like that, yeah. you know, that outsider perspective and. You could watch something like this, couldn't you? And go, ah, oh, it's Jake the Snake telling stories again. And like, I even like, you know, it's a horrible subject to talk about, but you know, the stuff about Jake being abused by his stepmom, and you had Rob and Robin kind of going, well, you know, I don't believe it, but you know, I could imagine, you know, my dad might have put her up to it, and yeah, maybe it is true. And it was like you kind of got that full, full spectrum. Um, they just came across as people. I just <laughs> almost, I'm not a religious person, but you want to pray for, don't you? Just like, oh, what a horrible people. time. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad now that he's dead they're willing to openly talk about this stuff maybe and even you know jake as much as he's a pro wrestler and he's in promo mode at times you know being able to say you know hopefully somebody out there can get a lesson from watching something like this Mm. yeah i think it was the balance i think by having like you say having those different people so it wasn't just jake telling his stories i think having those other family members and and yeah i thought the guy the brother the non-wrestler brother was the the like the star of the Richard show almost for, 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 for me. And, you, you know, just the the perspective he put on it and things. And uh, I, I thought it really, really added to it. Uh, I, I think that, again, it was, it was things that I think I was aware of the most of it. And like, I ended up watching it with Sarah and she was at the end, she was like, did you, did you know all this kind of thing? And I was like, I think I knew like 95% of it. And you know, I think it was, it was, but it was one of those where I think again it was stripped back to. This was one of the instances where Dark Side of the Ring did manage to strip it back to that human level, and I think mm-hmm. seeing the brother talk, seeing Rock and Robin talk about it, and, and I think it was interesting where you know JP saying there about you know there is no happy ending to this story, and you kind of half expected that it was going to end with all the family mm-hmm. together round the table or something and showing that kind of coming together at the end it, to me it felt like it was working towards the ending but it just didn't give you that at the end yeah. and, and, that, and that was quite a powerful end to me that, it, mm-hmm. that, that, that that didn't happen and it sort of showed that they were all still disparate uh, um, sort of almost living with their own individual demons that they've all encountered as a result of their different interactions with their dad who's ultimately supposed to be you know you know a positive influence on their lives and oh. and, and, and things and you just think like god what you it's know it's like the dad this, from this is england uh, 86 mate he's just uh, fucking vile oh, mm. it was just uh and, you know like jp says there the 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 extent that he was so visible in his behavior as well mm. the fact that this is just left to to go on. It's got so many parallels with other things that we've seen in the uh, you know come to light in the past you know eighteen months as uh, as, as well that you know different you know people aren't going to say things when it's the person in a position of power or something like that who is you know who's who, who's the one who's you know behaving in this in this sort of way and. Yeah, the God, there's so many people who, you know, clearly have got what happened to like, you know, those family members or that nine year old girl who's bringing around to give a fucking daiquiris that, you know, there's oh, there's people there with plenty on their plenty on their conscience. Yeah. For stuff like that. Yeah. I think it just speaks to maybe the the culture of silence at the time, but again that that rings bells as well, doesn't it? 
Um, but no, I would say a, a, a worthwhile watch, you know, if it sounds too heavy, you know, and it is heavy, it might be the reason we've left mm. it to one of the last things we're going to talk about. But, you know, I think it's worthwhile as a documentary. It's a worthwhile story knowing. But yeah, definitely the, the darkest of the... Um, Dark Side of the Ring episode so far. Um, God, I almost don't want to leave it there. Is there anything else you guys want to talk I about? Can, seen anything else? Can, I've seen other stuff. I feel like I should give MCW a kind of proper go through because there's stuff on on the card for that. So I might leave that for next week, which actually is a little bit quieter as well, isn't mm. it? Because I think there's only NXT takeover. But then I think we thought this week might be, really, you know, Oh, there'll be a couple of shows, but fuck me. <laughs> I want to mention a match that I'd like people to go out and watch that I did end up watching all of very, very quickly. Impact, TJP versus Josh Alexander. Um, I went 4.25 on this. It oh. was an hour-long match. Um, they did a, the interesting thing of having it on before the Impact, I think they call it, the YouTube show. That was a good idea. And then the... And then it went into the last eight minutes of it, went on to the start of Impact. Hmm. And then TJP, like he was one down, like it, it was a, it was like a quick roll up after like 20 minutes. And then um, they had, uh, what was it? The, like a flash roll up with like two seconds to go. Hmm. And then they had like a couple of minutes extra time. Hmm. And do you know what? For an hour long match, these can be very hard going. And what's very weird about it is when it would hit the ad breaks hmm. on um, on the on the, on the match early on, like it was like, because they had that on throughout the crowd, the, all the crowd noise went. So it was just them in an empty room in Skyway Studios, which then they had wrestlers come out to ringside kind of slowly on throughout it. But repeating stuff that we've already said, like Josh Alexander is is fucking he's really good and if there's one like we mentioned ace austin before if you're getting behind someone else and there's a shorter time frame with josh alexander ace austin is very young still but he's someone to go with because like and it'll be interesting to see how he reacts in front of fans and i think for slammiversary they've got fans in that venue so i don't imagine it'd be more than a couple of hundred but yeah it wasn't a match where like and tjp I know people don't particularly like his opinions. He's a fucking excellent wrestler. And he is like the kind of great hand that you want around that company because matches like this are the things that are going to kind of make them stand out. Um, it wasn't wrestled as a kind of flyer match. It was a lot of it was ground-based, a lot of counters to it. Um, there was like kind of, you know, both men were kind of being heelish at various points, which makes sense in an hour-long match for this as well. Real battling in the submissions. And it was... An experiment, I would say. And it may not mean anything and it may not be particularly successful. I like the idea of it. And I also think it's good for the CV of Josh Alexander to have an hour, a good hour-long match to go to and say, I can do an hour-long match. I get why people wouldn't go out and watch it. Um, but I would say if you do and you've got an hour to kill, have a watch of this. Because mm. like for me, it was like the best match I saw all week. It's tra- tracking well on the app as well. Like it's currently mm-hmm. averaging at like four point one one, which again for a, a TV match is you know really high. And it's you know if you if you're looking to, you know I think I put that graphic up there um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was showing like the the best TV matches since um, since Dynamite started. So it was sort of the best t- TV matches for the last two and a half years. Like looking at this, this would be like sneaking into the top fifteen for you know best TV matches that have that have 
been uh, done in that time period as well. So again, clearly the people who have watched it are you know putting it in that that top end top end mm-hmm. category as well. So clearly worth a watch. There you go. Nice positive to end on. Match to uh, to recommend yeah. rather than a really depressing documentary. Um, no, I, I do like the yeah. way they did that. That that like uh, I, I I can't see myself ever going and watching the full hour. To, I've seen it. But it's been up with, uploaded with no commercial interruption. I mean, I just I haven't got the, the time or patience for that. But I wouldn't mind seeing at least like the impact portion of it and maybe maybe mm. a bit of the uh, the YouTube portion. You'd be well. amazed. That was the first. That was the reason I watched it because I saw for some I was up. And mm. I saw the start of it, and it's only the last eight minutes of the match. And you, th- and I, the first thing I thought was, have these guys wrestled fifty-two minutes up to this point? Because they're moving at a hell of a pace. Mm. It never lets up. Mm. Like it really doesn't let up. And it has the thing, the quite sensible thing of having the two-minute rest period. So it should be like fifty minutes they've wrestled beforehand. But I like that because it actually gives the commentary team a chance to refresh. And I had Josh Matthews on commentary mm. for this one. No oh. Matt Striker. Oh, interesting. Yeah, MTV like Tough Enough. Josh Matthews was on, uh, was on commentary. <laughs> that killed the uh, on that Bret Hart documentary. They had uh, the Vince Brett clip from WrestleMania and Matt Striker shouting over it. It just felt so weird. Oh. It was like, hey, felt out of place. You know, not that that was a particularly no. sacred or good moment, but you know, still strange. Um, mm. But no, good recommendation there. Um, but yeah, if there's nothing else, we uh, we should get out of here. I was going to say we. Uh, Often uh, say we haven't got a huge amount to plug, but JP, you've been uh, you've been busy this week, uh, and you've got a definitely got something. To yes, plug. yes, I do. I was on Pro Wrestling Torch. Um, <laughs> went on there with Rich Fan and Will Cooling on Saturday afternoon. Had a wide raging conversation. It really is. Well, not Rich. Rich is is he's <laughs> he's on the money. <laughs> William, if you're still there in the chat, he was he was in true kingpin form. And the cigars out. Really good. Um, really good sort of wide rating conversation about a lot of stuff other than wrestling, which is is always good with Rich. Although we didn't talk Arsenal, which is pretty incredible for me, Rich, me and Rich, not to do that. We spoke a good few things about uh, um, wrestling, but also a lot of non-wrestling stuff as well. So we were speaking about um, the the kind of racism row in cricket, which I know you two are completely clued up on what's been going on there. As soon as I say the word cricket, you both switched off. So, um, so yeah, have a listen to that on uh, um, PW Torch. Obviously, as well, if you haven't, you know, subscribed to the Patreon, uh, Patreon forward slash Grapple. Nearly fucked up the email, uh, the website address. God, I'm all over the shop here. I'm tired, mate. I've been working long fucking hours, and I'm up at six a.m. tomorrow to do it all over again. There we are. Um, Power cut again, then. Yeah, it's. Mate, a power cut's gone here in the head. That's where I am. Um, but yeah, go patreon.com forward slash grapple. Um, the missed opportunity show, really, really good fun. Have a listen to that. I'll be, you'll have a daily update from me tomorrow morning. So uh, what's going to happen in the next six hours will be probably not very interesting. And I'll have to try and drag it out to at least five minutes or so of content. But there we are. <laughs> we appreciate you, JV. Yeah, Gareth, anything <laughs> you want to plug? Yeah, download the app. There you go. That's how you should do it. <laughs> uh, well, I'll be on the uh, BWE on uh, on Thursday. If anyone's uh, desperate for my hot progress takes, I will be watching that in the two hours before the show starts. Um, so yeah, you can look forward to that on uh, on post wrestling. Uh, we got uh, we got Andy Ogden. It should be uh, a fun time. Talk all the uh, the Brit news and the like. Like I say, I'll be on music of the mat next week with uh, with Andrew um, to talk CM Punk theme. So uh, look forward to that as well. But other than that, yeah, as JP said over on the Patreon, we'll have a ECW One Night Stand review coming out later this week. And yeah, we'll be back for Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs>
next week. But yeah, that's it for us for another show. We'll see you again then. Bye. Bye. This week on Patreon. Speaking of what we were all watching, I'm one, uh, you're all the one JP that none of us has got, and I'm shocked that I haven't. I was so close. I'm shocked Gareth hasn't, but I think we're lucky we've relied on uh, on JP for this one, Gareth, because I've got plenty to say about it otherwise. So <laughs> if it makes the uh, the final top five at the end, don't be shocked. Uh, CM Punk 2011, Summer of Punk. JP, you've, uh, did you expect to be the point man on this mm. one? No, not at all. <laughs> I really thought you'd be carrying the the. I'll explain I, the reasons when I get was, to my similar one. Yeah, like there is this one was uh, at this period of time. I think punk again felt like the only really interesting thing in the promotion. One hundred percent. And he was the only thing that would keep me interested in WWE TV, mm. and it was just so obvious of like. As a foil for Cena for that period of time, he was perfect, like absolutely perfect. Set up as the as the foil in so many ways. Like um, I don't want to do a crass Joker comparison to like a kind of a Batman, but there's a there's a kind of you know the dynamic isn't entirely dissimilar. No. And then when he wins the belt, like it's exciting and it's different and it's fresh. And I think he then has a photo taken with Colt Cabana, and you know there's there's all of this like kind of excitement around him and a. a, a and then he's back within two months. Oh, less, and I, I just oh. remember putting my head in my hands. And, and and even then, it just felt uninspired from the moment he got back. Mm. And it, it was just so fucking disappointing. Because there was someone who was like, this lad should be headlining Mania. Like, we should have had a Brian versus CM Punk match as a Mania main event, oh, with yeah. them being the two most over people in the com- in the company. And you're not saying that as... I, I was no Ring of Honor fanboy. That's like of the time you thought that's where you should be going. That's where that's where your audience wants this to go. And there was such a resistance to this and a resistance to that kind of a figure and a character. Um, and I didn't like people with any semblance of a spiky personality who might stand up for themselves. He's proven to be right about that. That kind of kind of stuff ultimately in the crate. I just wish he backed, he put his money where his mouth is, and turned up a fucking dynamite one week. But they ho, but still happen. But yeah, this one Chicago. I'm surprised. I'm really surprised neither of you two, especially having on yours. Oh, I, I mean, you're talking my language, JP. I'm just looking at Gareth and laughing to myself, thinking how often Gareth thinking the same thing as me. Yeah, it's me number one again now. I'm putting it back on the list. Oh, I'm just getting fired <laughs> up thinking about it. It annoys me so much that year because yeah, that is that is the thing because like people don't know, you know, there was a summer of punk in Ring of Honor where it was. A 
bit different, but he, you know, he won the, he did the whole Trend 7 thing about tr- signing uh, his WWE contract on his Ring of Honor belt, but, you know, it was actually done well. <laughs> and then they spent the summer trying to get the belt off him as the heel rather than the other way around. So, like, that's got a, you know, a big place on my heart. And that's something we will absolutely do a podcast on at some point. And then this summer of punk, you know, we will absolutely do a podcast on this as well at some point. Unbelievably, 10 years ago, uh, it was now, which is fucking horrifying to think about but Fuck. the amount of people you talk to who that got them back into WWE that year or like yeah. look at Voices of Wrestling doesn't exist without that that period happening you know that's literally you know the story Rich Crater always tells about running running home from that show and from Money in the Bank and, and creating the website like it the whole situation gives me chills because it was so fucking perfectly executed in WWE and nothing's perfectly executed you know from Johnny Ace turning up on TV to you know Punk blowing the kiss at Vince and running off and you know that unbelievable crowd and just the rowdy atmosphere that you hadn't seen since like an ECW one night stand that we mentioned earlier to using Colt Cabana and Ace Steel and breaking breaking the fourth wall and having them in the, in the front row oh, just perfect and then they do fuck it they they really do like like i say why didn't he why well you know we talked about going to new japan and ring of honor like just you weren't you know new japan weren't gonna have a boom at that point because he went and did one match with them you know ring of honor were you know their fortunes weren't gonna turn in 2011 to have one of their shows and even if you think they were let him go do some fucking indies do pwg or something that was around then you know go do something and instead, you know, we got a nice photo of the belt in his fridge and he turned up at one indie show and did a promo putting over um, Gregory Iron. And then he was just back on TV with new music and, yeah, he was a WWE contracted wrestler again and it was just so disappointing. Never mind, you know, the, the, the payoffs after that with the Triple H nonsense and, you know, putting over him and all of the Kevin Nash stuff, you know, his feud yeah. with Triple H was there. And we love Kevin Nash on this podcast, but his feud with Triple H was basically, he was in the way of a Triple H and Kevin Nash feud because that's still where they thought the money was in 2011. And before you know it, he was over, but, you know, never over to the... To, I say over's probably the wrong word. His position was, you know almost main eventer or you know a 1b type main eventer you know he was never in danger of crashing that rock and and cena wrestlemania main event when you know i think he was pushing for that to be a three-way which i would have done personally i know Meltzer felt strongly they shouldn't and maybe you can look at the business they did that year and say they shouldn't but i don't know i think it would have been worth it to have a a new face in there and three years later he's gone from the company and Fuck it, it's me number one. I've changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I feel too strongly about it. What was I thinking leaving this off? Gareth, help. Uh, I think, uh, like I was going to say, you've, God, I mean, you've, you, you've, you've covered so much of it there, obviously, Benno. I, th- I think the thing for me is, is, is when, you, when you go back and watch it again, and it is one of those matches that, you know, if you, it's probably one of my most rewatched matches as you go back and again, and it is just that crowd environment and things like that. It's it's the whole oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's the everything after the bell as well, like you say, the blow, you know, going to the crowd, the blow and the kiss, all all all, every, all of that. The crowd just been absolutely wild. It felt like a landscape changing moment. It really, really did, and it was one of those things where, again, as a at that time, what would I be like a 32 year old bloke or something like that? Who's, you know, just, uh, you know, I've had my first kid as always at first, you know, and you just sort of, 
you know, time poor and you're thinking, you oh, am I still watching wrestling and things like it's one of those things that's like, oh, yes, I am fucking still watching wrestling. You know, it's one of these things that like proper like pull you right back in. And like you say there, like uh, I always think it, it feels a bit like lame on the whole, like, you know, getting people back into wrestling or people talking about it. But the amount of people that I had at that time who didn't even know anything about wrestling saying to me, who's this CM Punk guy? Like, who's this? Like, I've, I've seen, like, it, it's popping up, like, on the internet and things. Like, what's what's the, this story here? You know, people who just seeing it cracking into the mainstream has been this big thing that was you, you know in and around that time that that you know people seemed interested in and he was clearly like an interesting different guy to what they perceived wrestling to be and things and yeah it just it just really felt like they had something where it was like fucking lightning in a bottle in a bottle absolutely there you know you go with it you run with it and then you know the the way that they they fucked it completely by just you know ultimately weaving that triple H Kevin Nash stuff in there. But, but like you say, the, a big part of the missed opportunity as well is that he didn't even need to work them places. Did he, he just needed to show up. True. He just needed to be, a, be an ROH show, just be, you know, just there the rings belt, in the crowd or just doing a signing or what, anything kind of thing. Everyone would have gone, gone because there'd, there'd have been fools not to, you know, it would, it would have been a, it would have been amazing, but obviously clearly it would have been something that's raising profile of wrestling outside of the uh, WWE so you know there's no way Vince was going to go for well, that there's no care. competition in 2011 <laughs> is there no oh, there really yeah. isn't I mean the only one is is like whether or not TNA is on Monday nights but that was always going to fucking kill itself anyway so like you'd have one place we wouldn't be able to go to but the New Japan 2011 is not the New Japan of fucking today is it no. I mean it's all like or, or, or 2016 or whatever they fucking let Matt Hardy go to Ring of Honor like four years earlier to sell his story with Edge you know like and that was fucking you know, that was nowhere near on this level you would have thought he'd have the power to do it as well like it was, but it was just so lame, wasn't it, when he came back to TV? And it was like, oh, don't get me up. The mu- came out with the uh, with the music and stuff, and you know, uh, couldn't live in color and all of that. And it was, you know, cool, but it was still like, oh, he's part of the system again. Okay, it was that weird role, yeah. wasn't it, where they did they did the Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. Cena earlier in the night for like the, the the vacant belt or something like that, and then the, Rey Mysterio kind of got fucked over in the whole thing as well. It was just, oh, it's one of them, isn't it, where your mind runs a million miles an hour of all the different things they could do to make this different and make this the real like the anti Cena, make him like okay, yes, they give the kids Cena, but we as you know probably the you know the adult males really get get our guy, you know, in CM Punk and, you know, the other hardcore fans who were big CM Punk fans as well. They had their other fan bases too, but you know what I mean. It, it, but it was, I think the thing about it was, is the reaction is this episode now, by the way? <laughs> we're just doing something. It feels like it should be. <laughs> the I'll, deep cut, Gareth take over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I feel strong. The closest, 